There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective? The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. We got Chris. We got Robbie. We got Peaches. We got the whole gang here because we finally made it to WandaVision. That's right, everybody. We are talking all about the Disney Plus series WandaVision starring Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Vision Visionson. <laughs> they actually, in the comments, make a big point about how I'm just Wanda because my husband doesn't have a last name. <laughs> like, that's an actual thing. Vision Vision and his brother Luigi Vision. <laughs> Vision Brothers. Suddenly, I would like Vision played by John Luigi. That's how you say his last name. I, I didn't, I don't make the rules. John Luigi. Yeah. Like Wazama. There it is. I, I didn't want to mess it up, so I just intentionally gurgled. <laughs> you Merlock. <laughs> John Merlock. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so weird because we've reached the point where we are no longer a retrospective. We are an MCU retrospective that isn't a retrospective anymore because we're in the future. We're a future. We're talking all about the future. Future. Future! <laughs> Goodness gracious, what a ride. First off, congratulations, fellas, because it has been quite the ride to get here. We have been doing this podcast for way longer than I normally do anything. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> if it was regular Eduardo, I'd be like, hey guys, let's start a podcast. And then three weeks later, once you guys are all on board, I'd be like, hey guys, I'm ready to start a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to do a TV show though? I'd do a TV show. Oh yeah, Disney Plus series. I, I, I was really thinking more like a, like local like broadcast cable, like on like Channel 2. Oh, we Wayne's have, like, World. Like, we could be like... I was about to say it's Wayne's World. We could be like budget line. Yeah, something like that. I would do a props with you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, scenes from a hat. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Things you shouldn't say when your husband's an android. Now, uh, so because this is going to be uncharted territory for us, because this is something that um, we are going to be talking about all kinds of predictions of what we think is going to be happening, uh, lots of us on here are avid comic readers so we read into some of these series there might be some spoilers they're not concrete spoilers we don't actually know what's going to happen but we do we are going to be pulling from the source material or are going to be looking at um all the different comics that this show is uh, is going to be a part of when uh, falcon and the winter soldier comes out we're going to be looking at those comics so there will be a lot of that kind of talk, and if you're adverse to that, I suggest uh, saving these episodes until the full series is out. Um, but if you are like us and you are uh, starved for more information about this series, you're going to want to continue to listen because uh, some of us have done some pretty deep dives. Now, uh, to, to, to kind of start that, to summarize all of that, Chris, you did some uh, extensive research before this series came out. So how about you touch on some of the stuff that you kind of found out as you were reading the uh, the comic that this is based off of? 
Sure. Uh, I, w- I will get into it, and I would like to preface this by saying I'm actually not done with my research. There there are three, three and a half series, sort of, that I wanted to read before this, and I, and I finished one of them, one and a half of them. One of them was like literally just a four-issue miniseries, and then there was a sequel, a 12-issue limited series, and that was The Vision and The Scarlet Witch. Um, the first series came out in 1982, and I did not have the... Uh, the writer's name in front of me, which I really should have done. Um, but that was a, I believe it was a four issue mini series. Yes, it was uh, written by Bill Mantlo, uh, volume one uh, that ran from November, 1982 to February, 1983. And it was about the vision, of the Scarlet witch who have gotten married. They got married in the Avengers comics and they moved to Leonia, New Jersey, which is a real city. Uh, a real little town and some crazy stuff happens to them in that uh, their house gets burned down by anti-mutant bigots uh, who don't like them living in town um, and this was also the series that revealed the retcon that Magneto is Wanda and Pietro Maximoff's true father uh. because at this point at this point they thought that their parents were uh, Two Golden Age heroes, uh, I think Golden Age, I can never get my ages straight, uh, who were part of the All-Winner Squad. And that was um, Miss America and a super speedster called The Wizard. (laughs) He's really fast at something. Yeah, and his costume was yellow. Um. But it was retconned in this series that, oh, it turns out that their real mother was a Romani woman named Magda. And that, uh, uh, well, this they they knew. They knew that their actual mother was a a Romani woman named Magda who died in childbirth or shortly after childbirth. And at the same time, Miss America went to this uh, place uh, to have her children. The twins died, and Bova, the talking cow, because comic books, uh, she was a cow that was evolved by the high evolutionary. She had these other twins that she was raising, and she switched them and gave them to Miss America. The wizard, thinking that the children had died, had already run off uh, and reconnected with Wanda and Pietro later in life. Then they found out that he wasn't their real father. They didn't tell him. In this series, they do tell him. And then later they find out that Magneto was the true father. Uh, Magneto, who they had already worked for in, as part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants in the past. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's a whole thing. Um, anyway, so that that was the big thing from that take, takeaway from that series, which I don't think is something we're going to be seeing in this uh, series. I don't think we're going to be getting Magneto. Robbie. When was this published? 1982. Okay, I was going to say, like, my whole life I was under... uh, I grew up with them being Magneto's children, so I was wondering if that was uh, before my time or not. Yeah. And um, I believe that that was actually undone in 2014. Magneto's not their father anymore. Yes, I did know that. They went on Mori? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Um... but not the father. It's a whole thing. Uh, this 2014 was that was was that when Ultron came out? Sounds about right. Or 2015. So, 
Yeah, no, 2014. It was yeah. well, no, no, 2015 was Ultron. You're right. Yeah, so this is yes, this right. is a year right. before Age of Ultron come out, came out. So if we want to be cynical, we say, hey, the movie studio is about to re- um, introduce their versions of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Let's make them not mutants uh, to stick a yeah. fox. Uh, I am cynical, and that was the assumption in a lot of places yes. back then. And now, now that Fox and Disney are one big happy corporate family. Who knows what we'll see in the future, but I, again, I have my doubts that we're going to be getting any Magneto stuff in this series. Maybe somewhere in the future, but when we get to our speculation, we'll talk about that. More important is the 12-issue miniseries published in 1985, written by Steve Englehart. Uh, At this point, he was also writing West Coast Avengers, which uh, that was a branch of the Avengers based in California that the Vision was the founder of. Uh, but then he and Wanda retired to move back to Leonia after their house had burned down. They got a new house, and uh, um, it was a sort of self-contained uh, story, but it crossed over with West Coast Avengers a couple times. Uh, I don't know how much you want me to get into how crazy Vision's backstory is. There are like oh, 400 no. retcons. <laughs> no, I mean, Do 373 uh, of them. All right. kind of get the gist because we've talked about some of it when... Yeah, uh, yeah. Vision was originally when we talked about it during Age of Ultron. We talked. Sure, we talked about it during. We talked a decent amount about uh, Vision's creation. All right. So the relevant bit here is that his brain patterns were based on Simon Williams, the uh, uh, Wonder Man, Uh, and now Wonder Man also has come back to life from the dead. uh, So they consider each other brothers, and Vision even considers Simon's mother to be his mother, and. Simon Williams has a brother named Eric, who's a villain called the Grim Reaper, who is racist, and that's why M'Baku stopped working with him. That's a thing that actually happens in these comics. <laughs> M'Baku's like, never mind, you're a white supremacist, I'm not working with you anymore. But his girlfriend is black, but she's albino, so that makes it okay for him. So it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. It, there is some well-meaning but awkwardly handled anti-racism in the, in these books progressive for the time, but reading back, it's like, Oh, I get what you're going for. But there, since it's a 12 issue series, each one takes place in a different month around a different holiday. So guess which superhero who has a show on Netflix, they team up with in January, uh, the same year that they had the first ever Martin Luther King day. <laughs> if you guessed Luke cage, what? congratulations. That was my backup guess. And the, <laughs> And they even talk about, oh, that's right, the new holiday. And he talks about how great it is that they finally have a holiday. And it's like, oh, God, I know this is, again, I know that this was progressive for the time, but it's reading back, it's like, oh, my gosh. But also it kind of puts in relief how funny it is when people go, comic books didn't used to be so political. And there's a line that's literally a guy saying, I know liberalism is out these days, but you don't have to be a liberal to know that discrimination stinks. <laughs> which i think is a message that more people need to hear these well, days and it's like it's so weird because like the x-men in general uh-huh. have been used as like an allegory for racism mm-hmm. since their creation like they're yeah they're, since their creation from the very start from yes. the very beginning that's basically what that has been about is yep. about racism and it's weird to be like oh comics aren't political when one of the biggest ones has been political since its well, inception and Stan Lee was using Joe Robbie Robinson at the Daily Bugle for like uh, progressive political speech from very early in Spider-Man. Like it, it's 
I mean, the, it's always been a thing. The very first Captain America comic book had him punching out Hitler while the U.S. was still technically neutral in World War II. <laughs> and side story, side story about that. A bunch of Nazis. This was a time. Oh, this is a good story. This was the first time that Nazis were kind of allowed in the U.S. Um, before we were at actual war with them. Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of Nazis showed up to uh, the Marvel offices wanting to have a talk with Jack Kirby for... It was Kirby, right? Yeah, yeah Kirby. Have a talk with Kirby. Jack Kirby for drawing uh, Captain America punching a Nazi, which they thought... Isn't it weird? You know how they say history repeats itself? Anyway, um, they wanted to have a chat with Jack Kirby for daring to draw Captain America punching Nazis, which they thought was offensive. And so they showed up to his office. Jack Kirby's reaction was to run downstairs to whoop him and they ran away. <laughs> well, did you see so anyway, Jack Kirby's a badass. What's that? Did you see the statement that Jack Kirby's son literally just put out a couple days ago? No, I didn't. Yeah, well, in a recent insurrection, I won't tell you which one, um, but in a recent one, there were some people who we might charitably call Nazis who were wearing merchandise that uh, depicted Captain America. And Neil Kirby, Jack Kirby's son, Put out this long statement saying that is the exact opposite of what Captain America stands for. Right. It's the exact opposite of what Jack Kirby stood for. These people clearly do not understand the character. They do not deserve to carry his shield. Um. I really appreciate that as somebody in the Twitch community who has seen like icons taken over by hate groups. Mm -hmm. um, Rest in peace, Pepe. Yeah, yeah. like that happens yeah. more frequently than than you like people might think is that people will just latch on to some icon uh -huh. that has nothing to do with their focus and make it their focus. And if you don't stomp on that bug while it's there, it will mm -hmm. just grow. And so I appreciate Neil Kirby saying those things yeah. because yeah. we don't we don't want Marvel icons to be used. And we don't really want any icons to be used for that purpose, but it's it's a good good thing that they did. Yeah. Okay. Let me. Th I'm sorry. I got off track. Um, I do want to talk about. Volume no, I two. like that. I liked that off track. That was a good so. off track. Um, uh, so, volume two of uh, Vision: The Scarlet Witch. They move back to Leonia every every month is a different holiday. Um, they befriend their neighbors, uh, who are um, two magicians who go by the names Glamour and Illusion. Huh? Huh? <laughs> um, who uh, own own the Magic House or Magic Mansion? In, uh, and they do a magic show in New York. They both actually have their own superpowers, um, but they pass it off as they're just doing stage magic. And then later on, we find out that they're actually jewel thieves. And I don't think Vision, Vision, not and Wanda do not find this out in the entire run of the series. And I need to find out if they come back. Uh, in any way, shape, or form. But anyway, I got very excited at the beginning of episode two, and we'll talk about that when we, when we get through that. Don't those two basically have the same powers as the Wonder Twins? Um, he... Okay, no. She has the power... Okay, Glamour has the power uh, to alter the molecules in her body in any way she wants to. One of the Wonder Twins. And the other one has the power of... Um, Anything he touches, he can control the molecules in that for one minute. Uh, so that comes into play in the first uh, Vision Scarlet Witch series um, at Halloween time. Uh, they have an ancient druid tome that they got in some, I think, in a Power Man and Iron Fist book. Um, Vision and Wanda came into possession of this ancient druid tome on Halloween. 
it uh, summons Samhain, the evil spirit of Halloween. Um, Obviously. They burned this. Samhain comes back during the um, uh, during the events of the second volume, and Illusion has to use his powers. He touches some of the... They managed to find uh, on a Halloween costume that was worn four years previously, uh, they, they managed to get a little bit of the soot from the ashes that they burned in the fireplace. And by touching that, he's able to reconstitute the book enough that they're able to actually destroy it and kill Samhain. Now, why Samhain shows up in the second volume, I will now tell you, because um, uh, while they've gone on a crossover adventure with the West Coast Avengers, um, Vision decides that he wants to have a child. And they're not sure that that can be done. Um, but they end up stumbling upon the village of New Salem, where these witches and warlocks live. And they uh, have burned at the stake their mother. I don't know if she's really their mother or whatever. Agatha Harkness. Now, Agatha Harkness is the woman who... Okay, so Wanda in the comics is a mutant. And she has hex powers. And the hex powers allow her to alter probabilities. Whatever bullshit magic. Yeah, bullshit magic. But she also trained Plot to magic. learn magic with a CK at the end from Agatha Harkness, who was an actual witch. So they defeat um, they defeat these witches of New Salem and send them to a hell dimension sort of thing um, with the help of the ghost of Agatha Harkness, who then, Wanda thinks, helped her to become magically pregnant. And the... Uh, uh, Wait! Uh huh. Never yeah. mind. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this again. We will be talking about all of this yeah. as, as we go on. Um, and I would just like to point out for the record that a lot of sources recently have spoken of Agatha Harkness and referred to her as a Marvel villain. Nothing I have read of her yet has portrayed her as a villain. I will say that. Uh, whether she has been villainous in other comics, perhaps, but she was a mentor of the Scarlet Witch and has helped them in many ways in all the comics that I have read in the past few days. Halloween time comes, Sawain drags Wanda to her to his weird hell dimension because he wants to use the child within Wanda as a way to re-enter the living world and wreak his havoc. Uh, and Agatha helps Agatha appears to Wanda and get and also appears to Vision, and that's how they figure out that to destroy him they need to completely atomize this book as opposed to just burning it. Robbie, you look puzzled. Do you does anyone remember how one of the early posters for this show, everyone said that one of the shadows looked like it was Mephisto or the devil? Yes. Anyway, I'm just thinking about that a lot right now. Oh, Keep yes, going. I am. <laughs> um, so as, as the storyline goes on, Doctor Strange is her pregnancy doctor because he has to use his actual medical skills, but also uses a little bit of magic. Um, Wonder Man shows up again. <clears throat> Magneto shows up again. Um Pietro lives on the moon with the Inhumans because he married Crystal. Crystal starts having an affair with Wanda and Vision's realtor. Um, Pietro turns evil as a result in West Coast Avengers uh, and betrays the <laughs> Avengers. Um, I'm glad Eduardo made the same face I did. I would like you to know that they find out about the affair because she's been sneaking off the moon to go to Earth. But the Inhumans are weak to the pollution on planet Earth and have to drink this potion so they can stay. And she drinks so much of it that it makes her sick. Um, and that's how they find out about the affair. She sneaks oh, he... off the moon. <laughs> oh, to visit Wanda and Vision. Um... 
they have a they have a daughter, by the way. Man, uh, that realtor better be worth it. Um, it was a whole thing, man. Norm, she's a, she's a brick house. There. Yeah, um, comic books. Like I've been reading this code, and these are '80s comic books, so there is so much narration in these comic books, uh-huh. which is so different from reading a modern comic book, which will basically they will use the art to tell the story this it's like almost a prose novel <laughs> sometimes um but yeah some weird stuff uh wanda and vision and wanda has her baby dr strange tells him it's only going to be one turns out there's a second child as well and dr strange's magic could not detect this uh this child Medical science cannot detect this child, but hey, she has two healthy baby boys, Thomas and William. Uh, Thomas named after Phineas T. Phineas Thomas Horton, the inventor of the original Human Torch, whose body was turned into Vision. They said later it was retconned that it wasn't, but he was made from the same mold as the Human Torch, so he might as well have been the Human Torch. Whatever. But that allowed them to bring the actual Torch back as well. Not the same Human Torch from the Fantastic Four, by the way. Uh, they fought at one point. Um... Uh, but then, but then the robot Human Torch joined the Avengers, and it was a thing. Um, and William was named after Simon Williams and the Williams family. Uh, so that, and Magneto was sad because nobody was named after anyone from his side of the family. But he understands because he mistreated Wanda <laughs> when she was younger, <laughs> and he wants to desperately to be accepted by her. So he makes a sad face at the end of the issue. So then, shall I go on? Because I did a little bit more reading after this, because that's the end of the Wanda and the uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch miniseries. But is there... next other M? No, or, no, no. House of M, House of M. Well, House of M does have other M. M. I keep thinking of it other M. M. I better not be other M. No, next is Metroid Prime Two Echoes, and then That'd other be fine. M. No, stop. <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to tell you now is I skimmed through. A few years later in West Coast Avengers, now taken over by a different writer. And this made Steve Englehart sad because it like ended Magneto. up not you Yeah, he was sad because really nothing happened with the kids. So Vision gets destroyed and rebuilt and turns gray, which you might remember from the end of uh um of uh, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, um, so yeah, so he has like a new gray body, but he doesn't have any of the emotional memories that he had. So he doesn't really feel a connection with his wife anymore and it was a very sad thing and it kind of it kind of drives wanda crazy um and i have no idea exactly how far this goes but uh they've moved out to california wanda has fired multiple governesses that she's hired to watch her children because they uh they keep losing the kids and then the kids come back or whatever um agatha harkness back from the dead she's not a ghost anymore shows up and reveals to Wanda that whenever Wanda's not thinking about the children, they disappear. So, they're trees uh, the forest. Meanwhile, the West Coast Avengers, while dealing with this whole thing, and also Simon doesn't want to give his brain patterns back to the Vision because secretly he's in love with Wanda. Uh, so that's a whole dra- uh, drama thing. Um, and. And Janet Van Dyne is like, oh, it makes sense you'd be in love with him since Vision fell in love with Wanda. And since he has your brain patterns, I guess you would be in love with him, too. <laughs> so, And she's like, I understand. You're going through a lot right now. Um, Wasp is so understanding. Um, so 
so the West Coast Avengers, the Great Lakes Avengers, and the East Coast Avengers, who are now all being led by Captain there are America. Great Lakes Avengers. There are Great Lakes Avengers, Wait, which are like they're like the Great sea list Avengers. Avengers. <laughs> Why do we need a Great Lakes Avengers? There was, okay, <laughs> to defend Milwaukee. Let let me let me really quickly offshoot the offshoot. Okay. Um, there were, you know, you know, this is a Goosebumps podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. There was like a competing. I don't know if this made it outside of the Great Lakes area, but I grew up in Michigan, so I saw this. There was like a competing series that was similar to Goosebumps, but it was like Monsters of the Great Lakes, and I don't remember exactly what it was called. It wasn't called Monsters of the Great Lakes, but it was essentially a different R.L. Stein writing R.L. Stein books that had the Great Lakes as a setting. <laughs> Great Lakes Goosebumps. Well, wow. And I don't know what the deal with that is. Why, like, the Great Lakes are cool, but, like, why do they need their own shit? <laughs> I have never heard of that. So I'll try to find it. Super Logical Vision says to Hawkeye, shouldn't they have just been called the Midwest Avengers? And Hawkeye's like, yeah, I didn't come up with a name. <laughs> um, but, anyway, so they are now attacked by a villain named master pandemonium and as he explains his name comes from pandemonium in the classical sense all demons the home of all demons what he is is he was a tv executive who lost his arm in a car accident and made a deal with mephisto to get his arm back but mephisto took five pieces of his soul and scattered them like voldemort's horcruxes uh, across the world and now master pandemonium is searching out his pieces of his soul what he does is he turns various parts of his body into demons and sends them off to attack so he's like standing there with no arms because he's turned them into demons and set them off well he has come for thomas and william the ch- the children of vision the scarlet witch because as it turns out they were never real they were actually pieces of his soul that Wanda, using her hex powers, it was highly improbable that they could have children, but her probability magic made it happen and took these two pieces of the soul of his soul that were scattered. They're the closest things that they could find to a soul and turned them into these children that she then carried to term and had as children. Now so I know takes, why no one understands how probabilities work. He takes them back, and it ends with this weird, the weirdest comic book panel I've ever seen, where Master Pandemonium, who already looks crazy, is standing there, and his arms have turned into two babies. <laughs> <laughs> and in the next issue, we find out, no, they weren't pieces of his soul. Mephisto tricked him because Mephisto's essence is the one that got turned into multiple pieces. And he tricked Master Pandemonium into thinking that they were his soul so that he could collect them for Mephisto so Mephisto could get his powers back. So it turns out that Thomas and William are actually pieces of Mephisto's essence, not Wanda and Vision's actual children. The devil is in the details, my friends. And that's not the only place he is. Um, <laughs> and then later on, there are two superheroes named Speed and Wiccan. Wiccan, I think, recently pl- t- uh, played a big role in uh, the most recent Big Avengers event, uh, which looked like it was going to be Avengers versus Fantastic Four, but turned out into uh, a Kree Scroll War. But turned out, no, there's actually a third uh, secret uh, society of aliens that was an enemy of both the Kree and the scrolls and they 
united and there's a whole thing but uh so speed and wiccan it turns out are actually reincarnations of thomas and william obviously so like i'm really hoping that this show doesn't get as complicated as the last everything you said yeah (laughs) so anyway this is right now I know, listeners, that you can't see, but you do need to know that right now Soundlord is in front of a big uh, conspiracy theory board like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) Who is Pepe Maximoff? But yeah... um... Yeah, so that's that's what I've been reading the past few days, and uh, oh, hopefully by the end of this week, before our next episode, I, I plan on reading other uh, other M. House of M. Don't read other M. I won't read other M. No, they retconned Ridley <laughs> in a way that was stupid and made me mad. Um, before yeah. I forget about this, I just want to make an addendum to the Great Lakes thing I said earlier because I looked it up, and they weren't called Great Lakes. They were just like basically the Michigan version of Goosebumps. So sorry if I if I upset anybody out there that is from Michigan that's like, no, those are not. They were called Michigan Chillers, which sounds like a <laughs> it sounds like a popsicle. I would. They I were called like Michigan Chillers. Yeah. They were called Michigan Chillers, and they all had alliteration in the names, and they were all basically Goosebumps. Like here's the first five issues: Mayhem on Mackinac Island. Terror stalks Traverse City, Poltergeists of Petoskey, Aliens attack Alpena, and Gargoyles of Gaylord. <laughs> Those are the... I don't think it's fair that Gary, Indiana didn't get a monster. Mm. Well, they're not. Gary, Indiana's <laughs> not in Michigan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so hopefully this week I'll be able to give you a crazy uh, summary of um, House of M and the recent Tom King book, uh, The Vision which involves Vision creating his own android family and moving to the suburbs. So that was fun. <laughs> the summary of House of M is that Wolverine is always a plot device. That's about right. Yes. All right. Well, let's finally dive into these episodes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sorry for the long version there. No, that was hilarious. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about episode one, written by Jack Schaefer, and episode two, written by Gretchen Enders, both directed by Matt Shackman. Um, so our first episode starts... Oh, I'd like to... Sorry, I'm already going to interject. Matt Shackman, I should point out, is a sitcom star himself. He was a child star on the sitcom Just the Ten of Us. So he's got a lot okay. of sitcom experience. And also he's a, a noted television director. Directed a lot of episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, even. So our first episode starts with a black and white opening title sequence and theme song straight from a 1950s sitcom. Uh, We establish that Wanda Maximoff and Vision have married and moved to the suburbs to start a new life. We do not establish why it is black and white or how Vision is alive. The house and opening are very reminiscent of the Dick Van Dyke show with a little bit of Bewitched. Robbie, I'm just going to take your word for it because I have no idea. Yeah, um, so I was raised on nick at night like it was a nightly thing in my home on fridays i would stay up and watch a lot of nick at night uh so i grew up on all those and nick at night now i know nick at night now has like stuff that just ended and is in syndication but in my day uh nick at night was really old shows like it was all stuff from the 50s um a lot of black and white uh so i grew up on the dick van dyke show on bewitched on i love lucy on uh the mary tyler moore show um on I Dream of Jeannie, stuff like that. I, I grew up on all of those. 
Um, I no longer enjoy multi-camera sitcoms. Uh, for, for anyone out there, multi-camera sitcom is what you think of when you think of most sitcoms. Um, they use a couple different cameras in a, uh, a set. Um, and there's usually a live studio audience. Uh, that's where your laughter comes from, that sort of thing. Kind of the traditional sitcom. Um, uh, How I Met Your Mother is a more recent version of the multi-camera sitcom format. Um, what has become more common and what I like more is the single camera sitcom, which is not in a set, not viewed by, by an audience. Um, and that is more of your 30 Rock, your office, your parks and recreation. Um, so a lot of these don't, I don't enjoy anymore, but I grew up, although the Dick Van Dyke show uh, holds up real well and is actually legitimately hilarious. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke um, show head writer is Carl Reiner. And yes. if you don't know who Carl Reiner is, he recently passed away, but he is a comedy legend. Yes. Uh, collaborated with Mel Brooks a lot. So he's a very, very funny man. Mm-hmm. So, And the 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 day job of Rob Petrie from the Dick Van Dyke show was comedy writer. So it, it's, a, it's a show that's, it's a sitcom that is itself largely about comedy um, with an amazing cast. But anyway, Dick so Van I grew Dyke up on these. Yes. Uh, I grew up on these and they didn't necessarily age very well, but there's still a whole lot of nostalgia. Um, quickly, did any of you, I know Eduardo just answered, any of you grow up on any of this stuff or am I alone on here or ever watch it at all? I figured I'm alone. I watched, a, I mean, I definitely watched some Nick and Knight. Dick Van Dyke is unfortunately a blind spot for me. That is a show that I have not seen. Mm-hmm. It is on Amazon Prime. I, I intend to watch some of it this week just because I've, I've heard so many people say that of all the 60s sitcoms, that is the one that holds up as still hilarious to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I very much want to watch that. But, you know, I've seen My Dream of Genie. I've seen Bewitched, you know, a couple of episodes here and there. Brady Bunch, which I think we will probably be getting next week. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some, and, um, you know, I watched a lot. I definitely f- have a familiarity with a lot of those old shows. Like, I, I got the gag at the beginning of this episode where on the Dick Van Dyke show... And Robbie, maybe you're going to talk about mm-hmm. the Ottoman gag. I'll, I'll yes, leave I that am. To you. I'll leave that to you then. Uh, but I caught that. You know, so uh, definitely have enough familiarity with the form of the classic family sitcom that, you know, by the time the studio logos, uh, the, te- uh, the aspect ratio shrank, it got black and white and the music got tinny. I was like, I love this show. I already mm-hmm. love this show so much. And that, yeah. that theme song, which I, I, I want to point out, there's a Frozen reunion happening in this show because... All the theme songs were written by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, who are a songwriting duo who wrote the songs for both Frozen movies and, and several Broadway shows and other movies. And uh, the score of this is um, Christoph Beck, who wrote the score for Frozen and also the score for both Ant-Man movies as well. Uh, and he's done the score for the show. So I thought that I saw the credits like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> you know, what's really interesting. Um, I think for people a little bit younger than me, that I, that these things that are major cultural touchstones that this show is based on, that I think for people about my age and older, everyone has seen these sitcoms. And then it feels like just a little bit younger, no one has seen them. And I, I don't entirely know why that is. I wonder if that's a combination of cord cutting, expanded entertainment offerings, that sort of thing. I, Cause a lot of this is, it wasn't like, <laughs> right. It wasn't like you would seek out the Mary Tyler Moore show. It would be more like you only have, a, hand, a couple handfuls of channels and you only have television. And so you search through to find something to watch and this syndicated television show is on. So I wonder, I'm very interested to see because I don't think the three of you are weird and I don't think I'm weird. I think there is a, a in, in that brief period. Of- yeah, we're all weird. Shut up. 
I mean, in this exact in this exact aspect of of I, I don't think it's weird that the three of you didn't really watch these shows, and I don't think it's weird that people a little older than you did. I think there's specifically a kind of a mid millennial generational shift that happened, and I kind of wonder if a lot of this is going to sort of fade from memory. Yeah, it ends up being very important to the show and how it's made. Um, yeah, like I guess I'm at the tail end of that because I definitely watched a yeah. lot of I Love Lucy as a kid, guys, because that was that was what showed up on Nick at Night, like. When I was a yeah. kid, that was like like I Love Lucy was like the first thing that they showed every night. So yes, yep. I if, they, if they reference Vitamita Vegemin, I'll be right there with you. I'll be <laughs> on, I'll be on the same page. Otherwise, <laughs> I will I will not be on the same page. Yeah, I feel like the sitcoms I grew up with. I think um, specifically when Peaches and I were younger, sitcoms were like making a resurgence. Uh, you yeah, have that's probably it. Really popular sitcoms at the time. Fresh Prince of Bel Air mm-hmm. was really popular. Mm-hmm. Boy Meets World was really popular. Like, and these are and that's on Nick at Night now. Frasier, and that's on Fresh Nick at Night now. And there are a lot of yeah. these sitcoms that just were popular. So rather than watching these older sitcoms, I right. tended to watch the ones that were just out now. Sabrina the Teenage Witch was out there. That was a popular sitcom. Uh, so yeah, that might be part of it. I watched of current sitcoms rather than uh, older sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm really curious to see how this show is received Uh, because the Marvel audience is, you know, it's one of those rare movie franchises that is what they call a four quadrant hit where men love it. Women love it. Adults love it. Kids love it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you're going to find a lot of the older fans of these movies, uh, you know, who, who may or may not be as like super into the shows as these movies and shows as we are, but enjoy them all. You know, I, I can see like, you know, people from my parents' generation, you know, watching this and really appreciating all the sitcom nods. And I wonder, mm-hmm. all the kids who watch this show, are they just going to think, ha it's funny? Or are they go, why is the screen so small? Why is it right. black and white? And their parents going to have to explain Dick Van Dyke to them, <laughs> you know? I was going to say, I think that the groundwork that's been done with Marvel will, will probably keep this show in that four-quadrant situation i think mm-hmm. that the, like the older generation if they already like marvel they're just going to be like oh wow nostalgia trip this is cool and anybody younger that hasn't seen these sort of shows is going to be like i know that i like these characters let's see what they're doing here right. and you can tell even even if you've never watched these sitcoms you can tell they're definitely borrowing things like mm-hmm. practical effects like and doing yes. doing those sort of things and and it's a, mm-hmm. it's cool to see like you know they know the source material even if you haven't seen the Dick Van Dyke show because why would they use a practical effect to have Wanda right. clean this cup? It's kind of cool to watch. I read yeah. an interview with the director saying that he brought the idea of using the practical effects for the flying dishes and stuff to the head of like uh, the guy that normally does like these big Marvel special effects and he thought he was going to laugh at him. And the guy was like, no, that's a great idea. Um, because, because everyone I, actually likes special uh, practical effects except for George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the, the best special effects artists, they're artists and you know, they're, they're going to say, Hey, the story we're telling the vibe we're going for requires these kind of corny special effects more than big CGI stuff. I'm <laughs> sure that'll come eventually, but you know, right now, if you're, doing bewitched if you're doing the dick van dyke show you should use the same i guess the dick van dyke probably didn't have any special effects but you would need to use the same kind of cheap camera tricks and stuff Mm -hmm. that they used on bewitched and i love that like at the end of the first episode when the rings appear in their fingers there's a little bit of a yes yes their hands aren't quite exactly in the same spot so it's very noticeable how they did it 
But of course that's how they would do it. You know, it's stuff so, like that. So yeah, I am very interested, and especially if anyone's listening to this and wants to write in or or sound off on Twitter, I am very interested in does it for those and I'm assuming it's probably a lot of our listeners who didn't actually watch these shows, does it really help hinder do you have no idea and it doesn't matter do does it make you interested anything like that i'm interested but since i assume most people don't know um the first episode is very heavily dick van dyke and i mean very heavily dick van dyke uh the house is not exactly the dick van dyke show house but it is basically the dick van dyke show house especially the kitchen um, i remember my mom seeing the trailer for it and uh like when i was visiting her once and the trailer came out and she goes why are they in the petrie's house (laughs) It's like, Peach, what's your face? You have concern. I was face. thinking. I was just thinking about the houses in each episode and wondering uh-huh. if they are the same house. No, they they changed. No. The second house. No, they is changed. More like the bewitched house. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. And we've already yes. seen in the trailer that they are in like a mirror image of the Brady's house. And, my thought, and, and the family ties house. <laughs> I'm expecting it's going to change every episode, but this episode is is super the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, uh-huh. something that Chris alluded to is at the start of the Dick Van Dyke show in the in the opening sequence, um, there would always be, there or not always, but there was usually an ottoman and something, you know, Dick Van Dyke, who's incredible at physical comedy, uh, would trip over the ottoman, stumble on the ottoman, um, or, or in later seasons, point at the ottoman, not trip over it, sidestep. It was almost like the Simpsons couch gag. Not that it was different mm-hmm. every single episode, but it was like an in-joke starting every episode is what is, how is Dick Van Dyke going to handle the ottoman as Rob Petrie as he comes into the house? And they even nodded that, like such a deep cut that probably like almost no one thinks about. In and, and they called that out in the opening sequence and hilariously having Vision phase through the, it, it's a chair instead of an ottoman, but compl- absolute direct reference to it. Uh, the second episode is heavily bewitched. It has the bewitched opening sequence, basically the animation, um, although creepy with the WandaVision chants. Um the house is not exactly bewitched. It's pretty close uh, to the, the Stevens home, but it's not the same way as the Dick Van Dyke house was like almost exact. So I'm, I'm interested to see where that's going. Will Ferrell bewitched house. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about that movie that we don't have time to get into right now. Right. <laughs> yeah, because we got to talk about Michigan Chillers at some yeah, point. Yeah, man. Right? It's the Michigan right. Chillers podcast. Um, uh, um, I, I just want to say real quick that I just think it's so brilliant and this is kind of an accident because production on uh, Falcon Winter Soldier had to get shut down because of the coronavirus but uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first Disney Plus MCU show and this ended up being the first show and this should have been the first show all along because it's the first big Marvel Studios TV show now obviously there have been other MCU shows and we'll see in the future how much they t- may or may not tie into things but the first big one that is direct tie into the movies is a love letter to the medium of television yeah and that is just perfect this is the kind of story they could not do in a movie this this could only be a tv show and i love that embrace the medium that you are in yes i I ranted about oh this is a nine hour marvel movie it might be a nine hour story but this is a tv show and this is very much like we are a tv show we have to be tv show the only way this show could be done is as a show I'm sorry, and, I, I think I... No, 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 absolutely. I completely agree with that. And to that point, they capture it perfectly. Like, they get the, the cameras right and the, mm-hmm. like, the delivery of the lines, the way that, and, and oh my goodness. Um, Pause for laughter. Uh, 
uh, Elizabeth Olsen is amazing. Amazing. Yes. I don't think I realize how amazing she is. Like her ability to just turn on that, that sitcom actress is, is just stunning to me. Like, like from the first line she's delivering, it just feels like it's Mary Tyler Moore on screen. And that's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as I'm sure we'll talk about more then that just makes everything when the, when it goes like twin peaks, it just makes it more startling. The moments of, of the, the thriller horror feel yeah. um, really stand out when they're, they're up against this. And then there's laughter. And I'm told by sound Lord, that is not a joke. It is an actual live studio audience. The pilot was filmed in front of a live studio audience. So WandaVision uh, is still from then on it was not, but that first episode was. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's so cool. That is embracing the medium to a T. Um, another fun nod, the second episode, they start in separate beds, and then the beds move together. Bewitched, which is what the second episode is heavily based on. Bewitched was the first, and I remember this from being a child, and Nick at Night would have trivia on the during the commercials. Uh, Bewitched was the first sitcom to have a married couple sharing a same bed um, prior it to that. It is so day. weird to me. I wrote that down in my notes because I was like, they're married. Why would they have two different beds? They're already married. And okay, then yeah. they, they're like, Wanda, get the light. Like, it's not like they're not going to do that. I didn't Here's know another. about the Bewitched connection, but I remember I Love Lucy, them being in yes. separate beds. Yep. And Except that made in the awesome. pilot, which doesn't count for this. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is I there didn't... a reason that that was a thing? They just didn't want to depict anything sexual? Correct. That's the that... reason. Yes. Exactly. Yes, that is the reason. Because um, I don't know if you were here, I was, I was telling Eduardo before the show that when Lucille Ball actually got pregnant uh, in real life, they wrote that into the show and they did the whole storyline of her being pregnant without saying the word pregnant because yep. CBS would not allow them to say pregnant on Correct. there because it was too sexual. The episode is actually called Lucy is ACMP. <laughs> uh-huh. I got another one for you that's a little less crazy and a little less mind-blowing, but I'm going to wait and see if they handle it. Restrooms were never a thing until the 60s um, on on television shows. And one thing the Brady Bunch is famous for is go find a picture of the Brady Bunch bathroom because they would do, they did lots and lots of scenes in the bathroom on the Brady Bunch, but there is no toilet in that bathroom. I told Andrew <laughs> about this yesterday. <laughs> and so- To be fair, Vision gonna... doesn't need a toilet. Right. That's true. Which of course makes me like the Brady Bunch a little more than I would otherwise, but- um, now, what I'm looking forward to is we know they're going to do the Brady Bunch house. What I'm looking forward to is will they intentionally have the restroom and intentionally not have the toilet, maybe even lampshade it, because that's a pretty famous thing about the Brady Bunch. Um, yeah. And, and I believe toilets were never referenced until um, uh, the bunkers. Um, uh, all in the family? Uh, yes, all in the family. Speaking of the Reiner family. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, Rob Ryder so, was on that. Yes, Carl. So, so I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be a reference. Um, my theory is that each episode is going to be heavily based on a different sitcom, with some nods to other sitcoms. But um, I would love to talk about as we go through the different sitcoms being referenced. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, and and kind of like Chris said, this this fake sitcom is charming enough and funny enough that I actually think I'd watch it if there wasn't some deeper meaning going on in the background. If it was just a funny sitcom. I would absolutely watch a straightforward Wanda and Vision sitcom that didn't have a big mystery, that didn't have any superhero stuff going on, that was just about a magic weirdo and her synthetic husband uh, trying to make their way living in a town. I would absolutely watch that show 
even if there weren't some big mystery like it's it's been that good <laughs> and it's such a great idea i love i've said it before i i love these superhero moments that are not superhero-y uh and how i think even in age of ultron one of the good things that we took away from it was hey that party scene was great i would watch a movie that's just the avengers hanging out yeah that's all i got wanda is seen using her magic to balance plates in the kitchen uh using her magic and speaking without a, Soko- without a Sokovian when she strikes vision in the, without a Sokovian accent when she strikes vision in his head which she calls indestructible Oh. Live studio audience chimes in with laughter as the two joke in classic sitcom fashion. I feel like we should point out for people that don't get the subtle reference that his head is very much not indestructible. We thought we saw Thanos rip it apart <laughs> in Infinity War. Ow. They notice a heart on the calendar making the day, uh, marking the day, and neither can remember what the heart represents, but neither will admit it. Vision leaves for work, disguising himself as a real human. I have two things to say about the calendar. I'm sorry. I I, I, wrote, I, I just watched this again this morning and I like paused and did things. So first of all, I figured out that the calendar is probably representing 1960 based on the days in August. I went back and figured that out, uh, which makes sense because Dick Van Dyke show premiered in 1961. Um, at the bottom, the fine print says foster homes and gardens, lessons for living, positive role models, safety. Uh, so clearly a reference to better homes and garden, but foster homes and gardens. What does foster home mean? Does it ta- does it mean that they're going to have children, but they're not really their children, so they'll be like foster parents? Going to be referencing Jane Foster. We know that Jane Foster's old assistant Darcy is going to be on the show eventually. Uh, so what does that mean? Oh, and the actual picture is a little girl sitting in front of a TV, and the caption is, all this little girl needs is a color television. I totally forgot that Cat Dennings was going to be in this show. Mm-hmm. Yes, same. I'm very curious Burger to see how her mysteries. Yum yeah, yum. Yeah. All right, I'm done again for now. I'm sorry. The quick I have talk- a lot of little chimes. <laughs> the quick talking Agnes interrogates Wanda about her life. Wanda mentions her nebulous anniversary, and Agnes jumps to help her plan the evening. At work, Vision struggles to figure out what his job is and what his company actually produces. His co-workers are unable to help. That is great for a couple reasons. I might have put that in my notes yeah, if I don't talk about it yet. Um, um, talk about it now. No, I didn't. I will talk about it now, yeah. So <laughs> the fact that he doesn't know what he does, first of all, uh, clearly it's part of the larger mystery of what is this fake life that we're living. Uh, but for me, it's also a great reference to how on, especially all over sitcoms, a lot of times the job that the dad has is completely vaguely undefined. Yes. Uh, <laughs> even as late as friends, even as late as friends, no one knows what Chandler does. And there's always just talk of, Oh, filling out these reports. These, and you know, what is he? He's a transponster. That's not even a word. Um, so, so it's kind of a, a fun play on that sitcom cliche, that trope of, and the dad has a job and an office where he does forms and things. Um, but also it's a, a, a hint at how this world isn't completely fleshed out in a mysterious way. But it was a great gag, too. So what's the point of filling out these forms? To analyze the throughput on filling out forms. <laughs> yeah. So but what if it's Chris' question, since you're going down that road, like, 
you think Vision is in on this? How do you think that works? I don't know. See, I have I have a lot of questions about Vision. Like, obviously, this is all happening to Wanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is there, and I think that is the real Wanda living in this strange scenario. The question is, is Vision also living through this scenario, or is he as much of a construct as everything else around her seems to be? And I have some hunches that there might be a few characters that are also real, but in this scenario. How in on it they are, I'm not sure. I think... There's one that I think is in on it and one that I think is not in on it, but I could very much be wrong. And we have a speculation section coming up later where we'll talk about that. But but yeah, I'm really... Because Vision seems to be aware at some times that something is off. But the question is... Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's really the Vision. Is Vision still... Because last time I saw him, he was dead and he was not coming back. But he is an android... And in theory, Shuri has his brain pattern saved somewhere. They kind of left that uh, that whole plot dangling from Infinity War as an open-ended, could Vision be revived somewhere down the road? Possibly. So has that happened? Is that in the process of happening? Is Wanda just wishing that she had you know, the perfect little idyllic life that she dreamed of but could never have? I, I don't know. It's so I don't really have any solid ideas about how real or not real vision is, and it could be a combination of real and not real. The vision, the vision part is strange to me because if vision isn't real, which seems the most likely considering the last we saw, he was a pile of scraps. Um, why do they go out of their way to show these scenes where he is the only one in the scene? That's true. That that part is where is where I'm like kind of confused on it because we have the scene with him and well, Norm is in okay, here's another thing then. Norm is in all the scenes that he's in by himself. So maybe Norm has something to do with vision. But in the first episode, uh he is by himself in the office. Wanda's not there, and he has a whole shtick in the office. And in the second episode, he goes to the town hall meeting by himself, no Wanda there. Is Wanda imagining those things for him, or is there something else going on? I think that's an excellent point, which I think leads lends credence to the idea that this is happening to Vision somehow as well. Eduardo, what were you going to say about the forms? Well, when I was first watching it, the first thing my mind went to when he was asking, what do we do here? I was like, Oh, they're using Wanda to like create this image of vision because they need vision to do something because it's something only vision can do. Like these computational forms are significant. What he is doing is significant. He just doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know the point of it. But in my mind, I'm like, they're using Wanda to get vision because they need vision to do something for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I'm in that's on that. what I saw when I read the scene. I, I've yeah. gone back and forth as to whether or not it's just a, a sitcom homage trope joke or if it is both that and exactly what you said, a deeper meaning of using Wanda somehow to use Vision's brain power to produce a bunch of forms for S.W.O.R.D. for some reason. I I I could jump into my point. I just want to let more of the episode go by before yeah, I sense. start talking about it. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Well, I, I, I'm i interested to see what they do here because I feel like 
and my point again will probably come a little later, but I feel like there are a lot of things in these two episodes. I feel like most of it isn't an accident. I feel like almost all of the scenes that we are shown are there on purpose and have some sort of meaning. And we just don't know what that meaning is yet. That's that's yep. my assumption. I agree. I and think so everything's I think there has to be. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think there has to be some reason why we are being shown this scene of Vision making these computational reports or doing all of these different things at breakneck speed. Maybe there is a little comedy thrown in there, but there is a reason he is at this office, whether it is to give him something to do in the meantime so he doesn't break through the reality of what is happening or whether it is they need that vision to do something for them. One of those things seems like it makes sense. I thinking about this now uh, and peaches, you put me on this train of thought. So thank you. I can, I can only think of one moment in both these episodes where something happens while neither Wanda or vision are there. Mm -hmm. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wanda goes back to... Okay, in the second episode, Wanda is talking to... Agnes. I know exactly what you're about to yes, say. Yes, and yeah. I've watched... I she rewatched that away, scene like three she times. She out of the house. She goes to get something out of the house. The mailman walks by and Agnes has a little back and forth with him. And then, and then Wanda comes back. And I think mm-hmm. that's the only time... Because there are times when Wanda or Vision are not on screen because they're doing a close-up of someone else that's in the scene with them. But this is the only time where Wanda leaves and something keep, continues to happen. Yes. Well, Agnes is one of the characters that I absolutely is definitely think. not a projection. I will yeah. die on that sword. Yes. She is yeah. not a projection. Yeah. Yeah. She's we, really there. Yeah. There I, is a there is a theory about Agnes that we will get into later that we all kind of came up with, and apparently the rest of the internet has also come up with this theory, to the point where it's almost accepted as gospel already after only two episodes. Um, we'll <laughs> is it, get she, deeper into that later. Is it that Agnes is the Zonai? <laughs> yes, it's the Zonai. She's the Green Ranger. Um, she is the Green. No, Ranger. I rewatched that mailman yes. scene like three times because I'm certain it's significant, and I'm trying to figure out why. I am certain that that scene. The mailman is Larry. <sighs> Larry, I think. Yeah. Don't shoot me. I'm only a messenger. Yeah, pew, I am pew, pew, certain pew. that scene is going to end up being significant. The fact that she says pew, pew, me out, pew, but I don't know why. Pew, pew. That is a thing. Pew 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 was not a thing in the '60s. Yes. I think Pew Pew was like first, people first started using Pew Pew after Star Wars came out. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a very modern thing mm-hmm. for her to say. Um, anyway. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying this a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, as he struggles, Vision's boss, Arthur Hurt, reminds him, Arthur Hart, excuse me, reminds him Hart and his wife are coming over for dinner that evening, explaining the heart on the calendar. Hart explains the importance of the evening, pointing out a previous employee was fired for thinking five courses would be enough or that a shrink cut <laughs> would be adequate entertainment. These two the or turtle, or turtle <laughs> These two scenes that preceded each other, this one and then the vision when he calls Wanda and he talks to her about the the dinner are the funniest things that I've seen from these two episodes so far, at least in my opinion. They're, so They're really funny. Good. The the this little interaction with uh what is it jones i forgot his name Um, yeah but the the guy that he's talking to uh where he's talking about (laughs) his inadequate stuff and god it's so funny and then when he calls the string quartet (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
I think we should impress the wife. Well, I think we should impress, impress the, the husband. husband. <laughs> yeah, wait. It is. It's just and one dinner. Don't be so home. dramatic. <laughs> if this doesn't go well, I think this is the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And that's such a classic sitcom thing yes. where two different people game. are having are talking to each other, but they're having two different conversations. <laughs> Dramatic irony. And the boss coming to dinner is also such a great sitcom plot that everyone yes. has done at some point. Yes. A fake commercial break interrupts the episode, advertising a Stark Industries toaster whose countdown timer sounds a lot like a bomb or a tracing device. Now, you guys are going to talk about the commercials and you're going to talk about the items, but I want to specifically talk about the taglines for these commercials because those were the most significant uh-huh. things to me were the taglines of the items, not necessarily the items themselves. The tagline for this one was, um, it was forget about your past. Uh, this is your new future or something along those yeah. lines mm-hmm. for a toaster, for yes. a toaster. What a weird thing yes. for the tagline for a toaster to be. Yeah, the other um, tagline, I think, is really easy. This one's, I'm not getting. Well, I, I think if you notice at the end of this episode, Wanda and Vision have forgotten their past. They ask, because the hearts are asking them, where did yeah, you come from? When okay. did you get married? When did you move here? Yeah. And they don't remember. They don't remember being Avengers or anything like that. They just know that they're the Scarlet Witch and the Vision who need to blend in in their new home but they don't remember any details of how they got there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also want to point out that not only did that sound like a ticking time bomb, but when they put in the bread, it made the same sound that an Iron Man repulsor weapon makes. Oh my God. And uh, I didn't notice it until the second time I watched it, but the blinking light on the toaster is red. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Everything yeah, else yeah. is black. I, mm-hmm. I also didn't notice that until the yeah. second time. I also liked that it was called the Toastmaster. When we're yeah. about to get a villain called the Taskmaster. <laughs> That's true. And all the things you can make in that toaster are crazy. Yeah, apple pie. Uh-huh. Open face cheese sandwiches. They talk about this uh to- like this to- about this toaster the way that people talk about their instant pots or their air fryers. True. You can make anything in it. Robbie, I'm calling you out. I'm sorry. It's true though. Uh, after the commercial, the dinner evening starts awkwardly as Vision, Mr. Hart, and his wife, Kitty Foreman, <laughs> arrive to a dark candlelit home and Wanda in a nightgown. She is so good. Yes. She's great. She is so amazing. And part of it is because she I, she just knows how to be in a sitcom because she was on one for so many years. But mm-hmm. her timing is impeccable. She yeah. is so fantastic. She's hilarious. Uh, Deborah Jo Rupp. Uh, she's so funny. <laughs> As Vision tries to keep the hearts entertained, Wanda changes and calls Agnes to try and help her make an emergency dinner fast. I love the whole walking up behind and this is how you introduce someone <laughs> into Kovian. Kovian greeting. She's from Europe. Uh, so exotic. And it's so <laughs> That's funny. so Kovian is what it is. <laughs> like i was listening to this and he's like she's from europe but he doesn't say she's from europe he says she's from europe you know with a thick ass british accent as if he is not also (laughs) from europe (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even make that connection but that's great (laughs) 
We don't break bread. With she bullshit. has an American accent. He sounds British. Oh, she's from Europe. <laughs> they don't remember where they're from collectively, but he remembers that she's Slovakian. Sokovian. Sorry. Mixed up a couple consonants there. <laughs> Free Slovakian. Free Shabakadu. Uh, Free Shabakadu. <laughs> As Vincent tries to keep the hearts entertained, Wanda changes and calls Agnes to try and help her make an emergency dinner fast. After she gets rid of Agnes, Wanda attempts to cook a giant dinner by doing a Samantha Stevens impression. Uh, classic sitcom hijinks ensue as Wanda constantly barely avoids discovery. Mr. Hart gets angry and dinner is ruined in the kitchen. When Vision yuck, pulls yuck. out with ukulele out of nowhere and says, let's have a sing-along. Where he just starts singing as she opens the, uh, the blinds. And her little jacket oh. over there. Oh, she's just so good in this. Her, her face as she's just staring out the kitchen with all these things hovering as Vision distracts everything. It's just, just, oh my God, Elizabeth Olsen is apparently amazing. More amazing than I realized. Just like on the one hand, we know this isn't the real Wanda and the real Vision, like how those characters mm -hmm. have been portrayed so far. But it's also the most that either of them have gotten to do of just like mm -hmm. acting. Like, like, yes, I like, I've always liked Wanda and Vision. Wanda is like, totally underrated for how powerful she is there's a reason mm -hmm. that she had to be one of the ones who got snapped away um mm -hmm. and vision you know also is super powerful so we know that about them and there have been some interesting philosophical things about vision like what his true identity is which different origin but still similar idea in the comics about is he jarvis is he ultron is he his right. own thing is he a little bit of everything uh and i think that's going to be fun to kind of get into as the series goes on but man, like, this is the most fun either character has been. This is the most we've seen of either character. And I just, I love Wanda and the Vision now in a way that I hadn't before. You can't ask if someone's their own thing and me not think of David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> His own thing! Uh, right, S. Pumpkins, man! And the skeletons, I don't have one! <laughs> Just as Mr. Hart starts to shout at Vision about his premonition, uh, promotion, excuse me, Wanda creates dinner out of breakfast food and salvages the evening. As the group sits down to eat, Mrs. Hart starts to interrogate Wanda about Vision's and her history together. Wanda startlingly, startlingly realizes she has no clue where they moved from or where they were married. Angry over them not uh, being able to answer the questions, Mr. Hart starts to choke on his food. As he does, Mrs. Hart starts by laughing, telling him to stop, then turns to Wanda, desperately pleading for her to stop it. Wanda, serious for the first time all episode, tells Vision to save Mr. Hart, and Vision does, using his phasing ability to pull out the chunk of food. Now, Peaches, these have got some... Uh, some it's not just sitcoms that these are pulling towards uh, in their references and, and the way that they're portraying some of these events. Uh, if you want to touch on that. Yeah. I, so I, I think one thing that is so far proven to be really effective, and I think it might continue down this, this route is that so far with all of these Disney plus shows, the trailers that they have put out for each of these shows have led us to like zero conclusions about what these shows are going to be about. I don't know how you guys felt, but I had no idea what this show was going to be about underlyingly. I just, you know, we knew it was going to be 
the format that it is. Same thing with when they showed the Loki trailer and the um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer. Loki, I kind of expected to be more of like a magic-y, enchant-y type thing, type deal. That was not descriptive, but the trailer makes it look like an action show. And that's totally mysterious to me. The reason I'm saying this is because I really like shows and just content that have like a weird, like a, like a mystery, like a horror aspect to them. And I did not expect this show to have that going in. Um, it feels like these, these moments in the show that turn from happy, witty, charming uh, sitcom that really quickly transition to horror aspects. Um, they remind me of like Twilight Zone or Black Mirror episodes, which is basically just modern Twilight Zone. Or even as far as to say, like, if anyone's familiar with the Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared series on YouTube, like it kind of reminds me of that, where they're having this totally normal conversation and Arthur starts choking and over and over and over, um, the, the wife keeps saying, stop it. She's not trying to help. She's not trying... She's not saying anything else. And she's smiling and sort of chuckling the whole time. Stop it. Stop it. And it's really, really creepy. Like zero to a hundred creepy. And I think that just makes me more interested in this show because, you know, obviously we all want to know what's going on in the background. But the fact that things can just change like that from happy to scary, um, like that, that really does it for me. Like, Another moment in this episode, I think there's more of these moments slightly in the second episode, but another moment is in that commercial where they're, you know, advertising the toaster. And at the very end, the woman just kind of like stares into the camera. There's like no reason for her to stare into the camera. She doesn't, she says something. I don't remember what it is, but she takes like four beats to say it. She's just like looking at you just mysteriously. And I, I really like that. So um, I'm hoping, and I don't see why it wouldn't because it's been consistent amongst both episodes. I'm really hoping this like twilight zone, black mirror feel keeps up. Um, because it's like, it, it seems like, a, a an uncanny, but perfect for this show combination. Yeah. I liked what someone said on Twitter is someone got some David Lynch in my Pleasantville. Yeah. <laughs> by the way the prop master of this show was also the prop master for pleasantville i, oh. I saw that in an interview so fun connection there when they uh when she finds the plane in the rosebush the first thing i said was oh this is just pleasantville and bailey was like what's that <laughs> oh gosh oh, oh, oh and no. the, i'm sorry the other moment that i i was i was thought about mentioning and then forgot to was after sorry to derail the derail after vision pulls the whatever it is out of uh arthur's throat he has no idea it even happened he gets up and he's like well that was a great dinner look forward to your promotion you really impressed me tonight mm-hmm. yeah you don't even acknowledge that you just choked yes it's creepy yep. and yep. and that's that's another thing that makes it creepy and and i think that those two specifically i think those two are not real people i think those two are projections for that reason uh, maybe the wife maybe the wife i don't think the boss is real i want to get through the rest of this episode before i i don't want to rebut that 
Okay, that's fine. No, we need to let this go, but I want to remember. You can, you, butt, you can butt whenever you want. Actually, I want to bring up just uh, since we're talking about this scene here. Um, you know, the the show up to this point has been such a pitch perfect uh, homage to sitcoms, down to the way it's shot, as Robbie brought up <clears> earlier, the, the multi camera format. When the choking happens, all of a sudden it switches to single camera and it starts getting shot in a very modern way with like the camera, you know, pushing closer to um, Mrs. Hart as she's saying, stop it, stop it. And this is actually even the first time that we see the fourth wall of this set, because all of a sudden, you know, it's been shot, you know, vision with his back to the camera, because that's how it is. He's sitting with his back to the camera. But when this switches over and it starts getting shot in a modern way, we're now getting close-ups of Vision's face as well, and you could just see the wall behind him. And it's the only time we ever see that wall of the house. And in the old sitcoms, we would never, ever, ever see the living room from reverse because that's where the audience was. Uh, so all of a sudden, it switches into this modern thing. And then as soon as he stops choking, not only, as Peaches says, does he try acting like everything is normal again, but it starts getting shot like a sitcom again, too. And this happens again in the next episode as well a few times. Well, immediately after, the studio laughter is back, and the hearts happily thank Wanda and Vision for the evening as though nothing happened. The two decompress at the end of the day as Wanda makes wedding rings for the two, and they both say, I do, and kiss to an awe, and applause from the audience. As the credits roll, the camera pans on a television in a massive computer setup as, as an unseen person is taking notes in a sword notebook. He closes the notebook, and the actual WandaVision credits roll. I'm going to say one big problem I have with both of these episodes and with probably all of WandaVision. The credits are seven minutes long. My God, yeah, yes. Right? And I kept, I watched through all of the credits because like, there can't, they can't be seven minutes long right. without something right. else being there. But no, uh -huh. they are literally just seven minutes long. I went to watch a 30-minute episode and I got a 23-minute episode with seven minutes of credits. I, I kept know, thinking like, I was getting there cold. There can't be that many more people working on it than, like, <laughs> Mandalorian. That has normal length credits. Right. This is insane how long these credits are. And I don't know if you guys did this, but it did that whole thing where it's like, you want to move on to the next episode? And I'm like, no, it's Marvel. I have to watch the credits. I have to know. So same. I intentionally I said no. I absolutely but felt then, like I was getting trolled. Yeah. I would hope that Marvel whoever is in charge of uploading the Marvel stuff to Disney plus wouldn't put the, do you want to skip this? If there was a post credit scene, but I'm not going to take that chance. I think you're right. We're going to just end up watching seven minutes of credits every time we have an episode. I fast forwarded to the end and nothing happened. Either one. I will yeah. say that at the, in the season finale of the Mandalorian, which had a post credit scene, at least when we watched it, it did not ever shrink the screen down and say, would you like to watch something else? It actually played the credits full screen the entire time, which is how I had already been told that there was something after the credits and to look out for it. But we always watch all the credits of the Mandalorian anyway, because I love that. The theme. art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and the, the art theme yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, Before we wrap this up is, do you guys think there's anything fishy about the little remote that vision is holding? Or do you think it's just a sitcom reference? No, because in the end of the next episode, Wanda uses that same remote, I believe, to rewind after they go outside and we see the beekeeper. Then she says, no, not this. And then she clicks on a remote 
and then I didn't really rewind. Just, yeah, I just assume I don't remember seeing the remote. Yeah, I just assume it's an old. It's very quick, but remote. I just watched it. She clicks on a remote and they rewind. Yeah, interesting. She doesn't do because her like I... weird bewitch powers. She clicks on a remote. Oh my goodness! There's so many layers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to point out that at this point, the aspect ratio switches out to widescreen again, mm-hmm. and it switches into color. And in this facility, there are two two things I want to point out. The obvious big comic booky one that I think everyone caught is that there is a logo uh, on the screen that looks like a sword, and underneath it, it says S W O R D. So our first real confirmation that sword, which in the comics was an offshoot of shield, uh, is involved. And sword is what a lot of people assumed that Nick Fury is working on in the post credit scene of Spider Man Far From Home when he's up in space with the uh, with the scrolls sentient world observation i forget what the r and d stands for um but it's it's like the space version of shield um but the other thing is that whole area with the tv that's a tv production studio like all that equipment uh, in there that is stuff that is used in actual television production uh yeah so like that I, i've seen setups like that before i it's what i studied in school was production and uh we used stuff like that one of, one of the things is actually even called like a vision mixer. <laughs> so whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. Um, probably to some extent or, or it's just a happy coincidence. Like, hey, you know, it's going to be funny. Uh, but yeah, that, that looks like a television production studio, like the like where you would produce live TV. Okay, so I need to talk about my feelings on these episodes right here because this feels like a good time to talk about it. Um, and I think I didn't find them as positive as everybody else on the show. And it's not to say that I didn't enjoy them because I enjoyed them very much, but I don't think I am as over the moon as everyone else. And I think there are some key reasons to that. One, I tried to be the opposite of Chris going into this. I tried to look up as little about the source material as possible. I wanted to know nothing and I wanted to take the show at face value because I thought it was important to have that type of perspective on the show. And so I did not intentionally read anything about any of these comics i didn't watch anything i didn't look at anything i wanted to just watch these episodes to take what the episodes have given me um and i think another part is i spent and maybe this is because i didn't watch read the source material but i spent these two episodes waiting for the shoe to drop i was waiting for the thing these episodes and the show in general is clearly a mystery but the problem with the mystery at least the way that I see it right now is we don't know the question of the mystery that we're trying to to solve. The mystery right now is to figure out what the mystery is. And that makes it difficult to sort of hypothesize as to what's going to happen next and to kind of take all of these little clues because I have all of the answers to a problem that I don't know the question for. And it's not even answers. I have hints to the answers to to the problem that I don't know the question for. And so that makes it difficult to really understand what it is I'm watching. Because of the trailers, it almost seemed like, and maybe this will change with future episodes, that there will be a little bit more of the real world and the traditional Marvel sense that we are used to, along with the sitcom. But if you are not expecting, if you don't know anything about these comics, if you don't know anything about that, you watch a 20 to 25 minute sitcom, with a little bit of a reference, but not really, because you're not really kind of looking for that kind of stuff. And that's about it. Um, And so if you are only going in 
prepared for Marvel and you were introduced with this sitcom, I could see how someone would not necessarily be disappointed, but they'd be a little confused with what they just watched. I ergo my wife who watched it with me and she finished the two episodes and she's like, I don't understand what's going on at all. Like what is happening? And I was like, to be honest, I couldn't tell you, I have no idea what's happening. And I think that's kind of supposed to be the point, but if you're not a comic book buff, that point right. could be lost. I kind of like that though. Like, like we do this podcast. I think we have a head, up, like a leg up ahead of what is, uh, I have my head up my ass. Apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we have a leg up we in that regard but i'm i like i don't go out of my way to read comics i usually just look up the plots and like observe the stories in that way so like i, I feel like i'm closer to the same page as you is like i didn't look any of this stuff up until after i watched the episodes um but i don't know i like that mystery aspect of it i but i think that the personally i think that the sitcom shtick is going to end i think you're right that we will get more of the real world stuff because there was that in the trailer Absolutely. i'm expecting about halfway through they're gonna like they're gonna in some to some degree figure out what's going on and there's going to be a lot so, more here's the real world now no more sitcom stuff well right and that's, you know that's the sort of thing that i was kind of confused because like i absolutely think we are going to get a little bit more of that real world kind of mixing into this sitcom world. And it's going to be a little bit more of that. The thing is, is we are being given these episodes week by week. We talked about this previous uh, before the episode, but we're giving these episodes week by week. This is the intention of Disney as they are feeding us. The series is to give us one episode at a time and for us to digest it an episode, or in this case, two episodes at a time. So when I look at this, I, don't think it's fair for me to look at it in terms of the series. I need to look at it in terms of this is two episodes that I need to look. I can look them up as a pair, but they are individual episodes that should be given their own individual attention. And when I look at these episodes individually, I found myself keep continuing to be like, all right, well, at least, especially after the first one, because after the first one, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I'm sure next episode, we're going to establish what it is that we're doing here, or at the very least, we're going to pose some kind of question for us to try to figure out the answer to. But at the end of the second episode, I found myself wondering, I still don't know what's happening. And I have more questions than when I started. Uh, so uh, it's not, I almost wonder if it was go ahead intentional that they released both of them at the same time for that reason, because they wanted you to have this mystery element, but they didn't want to tell you anything yet. And maybe they knew like, all right, episode one and two, they're both a little short especially with seven minutes of credits in each one. And they both don't tell you anything. They just leave you wondering. So have both of them at once. I wonder if that's part of the reasoning. We got two. And I don't doubt that. And Chris, you spoke earlier about um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and how that one had gotten pushed back to WandaVision. Mm. And I think the intention of having Falcon and the Winter Soldier first, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I imagine that Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be much, much, much more mm of an MCU blueprint style production than mm. WandaVision. And I think their intention was to have that blueprint style go first to be like, all right, guys, we're still Marvel. We still know what that we're doing, blah, blah, blah. And then have WandaVision come out second to be like, all right, now here's this weird thing that we're doing. Yeah. Give this a shot. But since they did it first, it's sort of, and because it's been so long since we've had any Marvel, it's just like, all right, well, here's this weird Marvel sitcom yeah. while you were waiting for Marvel. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. And I think, like Peach just said, I think this is exactly why they did two episodes uh, for the first week. Because where the, I, to me, where the second one leaves off is we are now getting more and more that the characters are aware that something weird is going on. And also, it's when it switches to color. So it's almost like a reassurance to viewers, hey, it's not going to be black and white the whole time sure. because some people get hung up on that. Um, I have a problem with people getting hung up on that, but whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but it's a, sort of a reassurance that, yeah, there is a larger mystery at play and our characters are becoming aware of that mystery so that going forward, you get an idea that there's going to be forward momentum to this story. I don't have a problem with the pacing because it's a TV series, so it's going to be a little bit, a little bit more of a slow burn than mm-hmm. another, uh, than it would as a movie, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so far, the show itself has been entertaining enough that I don't mind the slow burn because I'm enjoying the show. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. what is happening in the, you know, the sitcom plot of the day, while the super plot above, uh, beyond it, can go a little bit more slowly because I'm enjoying the other thing that's happening as well. And if that's not doing it for someone, I get why that, you know, they might be like, come on, get to the point, get to the point. But that gets to the whole idea of, is this just a vehicle for delivering plot or is it also its own thing with its own stuff to say? And, and I do think that thematically, we're going to see that a lot of this was important to uh, in the end. Yeah, I don't, go ahead. Robbie, yes. you've been wanting to talk so, for what seems like a year now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no, 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 you go with your, you go with yours first. Well, I, Canadian. I don't doubt that. My, my issue with the, um, with their structure so far is I don't think that the slow burn, uh, the, the, the slow burn is even there. I think we're walking. I think the guy has the match in his hand to walk up to the burning to begin the slow burn, <laughs> but the slow burn hasn't even happened yet. Like, I think the, the, the biggest issue is that we don't even, we're not even to the slow burn. And if we are, we are at like, there has been a trickle of a slow burn. There hasn't even been like a, mm-hmm. Like a, it hasn't even begun to, to to truly burn. There hasn't even been anything to like kind of lead up, and so um, it is truly two sitcom episodes now, and that is okay. But if you were walking mm-hmm. into this, imagining a Marvel series with fun little sitcom references, and instead you got a sitcom series with fun little Marvel references, mm-hmm. I understand how you could mm-hmm. come at the other side of that and be like, "What did I just watch?" I get that, yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to push back on a lot of what you said, especially your your um, your uh, subjective enjoyment. The one thing I want to push back on is I don't think the uh, exposure to the, the source material is actually what's going on here. I don't think that's super important here. Um, for, for one, I think it's it has a lot of nods to the source material, but it is not really. This is not really based directly on House of M, which. I read most of, part of, I can't remember how much of House of M I read, enough that this is to know that that is not what we're watching. Um, and it is not really influencing my enjoyment of this. So I don't think that that was super important. I don't think it's really important that you have read much Wanda and Vision comics before watching this show. Uh, I think you need to have seen the movies, but that's about it. So I don't think that's what's going on. I think what's really going on is just a matter of how much you enjoy... Uh, suspense and how much you enjoy instant gratification. Um, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. There are just people that don't really particularly like to be wondering and have mysteries. My wife being one of those people, uh, she and I, and that, that's in all things Christmas. I want to not know a single thing about what I'm getting 
and will happily open it at the last second and be completely fine. Cat can't stand the mysteries about things like what present is she getting? She she and she is the same way as you are with the show where she is wanting, she does not like that she doesn't know what's going on. She does not like, and you guys know my wife, she always knows what's going on in a story. She has no clue right now. Um, and she's not that's enjoying that. that that's, she is enjoying the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's She is enjoying the show, but she is frustrated that she is not getting enough of what's happening. Whereas for me, I think that's great. I think it's really cool that I don't actually know what's going on. I think it's really cool that that it's, a complete and total mystery. And, and, you know, the David Lynch comparison I brought up earlier is, I think, apt. I think there is a lot of Twin Peaks going on here where you're not supposed to know. You are supposed to be completely in the dark. And I think it's okay not to like that. Um, but I, I I absolutely think that there's that's just something that's going to hit people in different ways. And then, so then what you said is the other aspect is that boils each of these down to basically being sitcom episodes with a little bit of mystery going on. And I think that's also true. I suspect that not being, um, I think less than the Marvel exposure is more the sitcom source material exposure is important for this. And if you're not someone that grew up with the Dick Van Dyke show, I think you're probably going to get less out of this episode. And again, I know you're not saying it's bad. I just think that those are, that's a very subjective thing that's going on um, that maybe it'll change once it, once uh, the series goes on. I think everyone's correct. I think that the the sitcom aspect is going to be phased out a little bit at a time as the series goes on. Uh, but I definitely don't think that the source material of the Marvel comics is super important to the enjoyment of this. Yeah. We already got more of the real world mystery stuff in the second episode than there was in the first. Sure. The first, it was kind of contained to the end, whereas it was kind of a through line throughout the second episode. So I can only imagine that it's gonna the balance to is going to... Yeah. Sure. Well, and that's, I mean, part of that is what we're doing is we're speculating about the series, but I have to, once yeah. again, talk about these shows as individual episodes. Oh, yeah. That's the way that they're right. being presented to us. Whether right. the creators intended it for it to be an entire experience to be viewed together or not, which I think that's how they've at least framed Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They've talked about that a couple times, how they've said that's meant to be like a six hour mm-hmm. movie, you know, like, a la what Chris had uh, alluded to earlier. Um, that is not how it's being presented to us. So it needs to be, in my opinion, reviewed in the way that it is being presented to us, which is, I I understand that things might be happening in the future, but right now the way it's presented to us is you are here in the sitcom and there's going to be a little bit of sort of mystery. My biggest problem with the mystery, and it's not that I don't dislike mystery because I do like mystery shows. I just don't even know where to begin to what the mystery even like could be like, there are a lot of mysteries that I'm currently watching right now that are not they don't give away the plot, but you at least understand at least a rule to at least kind of keep you going until you find out the greater mystery. Like a smaller mystery to understand the greater mystery. You don't even have a smaller mystery here. You just have right inside of the donut. Right, there is a donut hole shaped hole inside of the donut hole. Right. Uh, CSI Kentucky Fried Chicken. And again, and again, I absolutely don't think you're wrong for preferring that um, at all. Like you're, you're thinking about something like, I'm not really saying this is like the Hardy Boys, but like the Hardy Boys where you're supposed to help solve the mystery along as you learn what's going on. Whereas I really genuinely enjoy, I don't know what this mystery is. I have no idea what's going on. I I am enjoying that. The, the, what you say of not knowing the rule, you're absolutely correct. 
I'm enjoying that aspect. Well, and I, as we continue to watch, and I'm breaking what I am, I've literally said several times we shouldn't be talking about the future episodes, or not talking about them, but like in this specific point, because these are singular episodes. But if we are going to look at future episodes, I would imagine we are being given significantly more clues than anything that I'm saying right now. And a lot of the things that we will see will eventually turn into clues that we didn't even realize yes. were clues to begin with. 500%. Like mm. at the first thing I want to do when we watch the finale of this series is immediately rewatch this series. Right, yeah. <laughs> and we're not even mm -hmm. close to there yet. Yeah. That's two months away. And I, I imagine there will be a lot of things that are going to make significantly more sense as we go back and rewatch these, these, it's like episodes. it's like you go back and you watch, you play Bioshock again, and you realize how many times Atlas has said "Would you kindly" yep. to you, and you go, "Oh, yep, yep, oh, <laughs> the whole time, yep. <laughs> the whole time." And I can't talk about Knights of Re Knights of the Old Republic to the three of you, but I want to. <laughs> <laughs> Would you kindly, Jedi? Uh... <laughs> kind of. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but we can get into the next episode now i just wanted to make my feelings known so when we get to the ratings it, it's not a surprise as to why mine are i think are gonna yeah. be a little lower I mean, they're not gonna be low they're gonna be a little lower yeah. than everybody else's just because i think uh i don't know i think yeah and that's a good reason yeah and i think mm -hmm. uh i'm trying to bring in bailey's opinion here as well because she is truly someone who her only knowledge is because she watched the mcu movies and her only knowledge of this is the trailers that we had been given before. And so mm. I think her perspective is really interesting here because she really just only watches those things. Yeah, I just don't think that reading House of M would have made that any better. Or Other M. Other M doesn't Other make M would have made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but episode two, the baby, the baby, the baby, the baby. Oh no, you're right. Wow, you said that so consistently all four times that it really sounded like you got stuck in a loop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next episode, still black and white, starts with Wanda and Vision in separate beds a la Isle of Lucy. Terrified of noises in the neighborhood, uh, through, though they eventually settle on the sound being a branch hitting the side of the house. Episode two opens with a new title sequence, this time an homage to Bewitched, which... Interesting. This title sequence, I don't know. It went on for like a long time. Like it was a long title sequence. Yes. Old sitcom themes used to be longer. They? Yeah. Old sitcom theme yeah. songs were yeah. very long. Yes. Oh, here, here's how you know. Watch an episode from one of the first couple seasons of The Simpsons, and watch a modern Simpsons episode, sure. and look how much they cut down mm -hmm. the title sequence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's an Easter egg in the in the opening sequence that I want to point out, uh, relating to something that I mentioned earlier. Uh, when she's in the supermarket, there's a poster up. There's an advertisement for Bova Milk uh, with a picture of a cow on it, referencing Bova, the talking cow that raised Wanda and Pietro. <laughs> Bova Something I want milks. to point out, we're talking about long title sequences. Like, I mean, have you ever seen the title sequence for that old show, um, uh, Too Many Cooks? Like, that was <laughs> really, really long. Oh man, I hope so. Oh my god, this show is too many cooks. Yes. Another don't yes, hook it them is. Yes, it is. <laughs> wow, I got loud just now. I'm so sorry, listeners. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Whew. Uh, the listeners is what we like to call Chris when he's not <laughs> when we're not on the podcast. Oh, 
<laughs> Sorry, future Chris and listeners. <laughs> uh, Wanda and Vision are now in a completely new house with no explanation as they prepare for a community talent show where they will performing a magic act. Wanda expresses how badly she wants to fit into the new neighborhood. Vision promises they will and then says he is going to try and join the neighborhood watch to ensure the safety of the neighborhood. Wanda hears another bang like the night before and finds a small helicopter in the hedges. The helicopter with a sword logo is in full color in contrast to the black and white world. I want to point out two things real quick. Um, the helicopter, as I'm sure everyone noticed, is Iron Man colored. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, but if you look at the Cabinet of Mysteries, uh, you'll notice that there's a hexagonal shape on it. And if you watch the show, the hexagon shows up all the time. Uh, the it mm-hmm. is the iris in at the end of the episode of both episodes when it zooms in on it, it's shaped like a hexagon. Um, at the opening of the bewitched title sequence, the moon uh, appears and then stars appear around it, creating the shape of a hexagon. Oh, you're right. And I six. That. Yep. And the uh, six. The and especially the one on the cabinet of mysteries, it's a hexagon with a starburst coming out of it like it's exploding. I think it is representing the Mind Stone, which is a hexagon in Vision's forehead that exploded. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so watch watch these shows again and look for and and going forward, looking for hexagonal imagery throughout. Uh, and I think yes. it is something to do with because you know the <clears throat> the Mind Stone is going to have something to do with this, even though the Mind Stone was destroyed. Um, there's something obviously it's a very not only is it important to vision but it's also what gave wanda her powers as well uh through right presentation so while we're on the topic of recurring things um and also a really quick piggyback on that is that you said this earlier her magic in the comics is hex magic too so oh god it could be a reference it could be a reference to the magic that could be happening around also you'll notice this Every single thing that has been in color so far has been primarily red. Mm-hmm. There have been three things in color so far up until the very end. Also significant um, when Herb or Sherbert, however you want to refer to him, gives Vision the piece of gum, it's a stick of big red. So I don't know if red has some no little cinnamon meaning in here. Big red. <laughs> but it could have been any gum. It could have been any brand. It could have just been regular gum. He didn't have to say Big Red. Um, I thought maybe it was like a sitcom doing product placement nod, but it just seems yeah, that's how I took to it. But now you're everything yeah. is red, including the gum that you don't even see the color of. Well, she is the Scarlet Witch. Yes, yes. <laughs> Wanda expresses how badly she wants to fit in. Wanda isn't able to think about it long before Agnes arrives to walk Wanda to a planning meeting for the talent show and warns her about the chairwoman of the planning committee, Dottie. At the planning meeting, Dottie proves to be extremely rude and condescending. Wanda starts to hit it off with her neighbor, Geraldine, who does not immediately remember her own name or what she's doing in the neighborhood because she's Jessica Rambo. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry. Monica Rambo. Excuse me. Jessica. Jessica Rabbit. (laughs) Monica Rambo. 
Anytime Dottie mentions the talent show as a fundraiser for the children, everyone but Rhonda instinctively recites for the children. That is, that's got to be like a thing, right? Like, for the children. Is that a thing? Yes. Does that show up in comics somewhere for the children? No, but I think it's going to be very significant going forward, especially it's considering so how the culty. ends. Yeah. The greater good. Yeah. When they mean for the children, do they mean for Wanda and Vision? For the children. That's my... Th- uh, what. I yes. have stuff that I will talk about when we get to our speculation okay. section, but it involves for the children. Vision meets with the neighborhood watch for the children to be taking the entire concept far more seriously than the others. This is when he says that Herb is a communist and everyone just kind of laughs. Yes. Norm. Norm. Yeah. I'm sorry, not Herb. Norm is a communist. Isn't that weird? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so weird. Isn't it weird? That yes. It's the first time laugh. this series has been weird so far, but yes. <laughs> i'll let you explain this but yeah it's weird it's just out of nowhere it's out of nowhere and he says it vision says it with a hundred percent like vision doesn't like lie like he just says yeah he's a communist like that's a secret fact that you guys don't know he's a communist and we then later in the episode get a commercial for a watch that's a reference to Baron von Strucker with a Hydra logo on it, and who's uh what type of group were popular communists? Uh, Hydra and you know Germany and all that, all that jazz. So Wait, they were fascists. Yeah, those are Nazis. <laughs> the Nazis and the communists didn't like each other for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, so maybe he's Ger- he's Russian. How is he communist? Yeah, well- well, I mean, I mean, he wore that turtleneck. No, that's a different guy. Oh, is it? Oh, guy. yeah. Norm, Keep track of your side characters. Oh, yeah, Norm's not the one that that wore the turtleneck. Oh, okay. Yeah, Norm, Norm's the little the coworker. Oh, okay. Either way, it's weird because the vision vision has yes. no the only prior conversation those two uh, humanoids <laughs> have had is in that office, and they don't talk about anything significant. Other than what do we do here? I don't know. Do we sell things? No. Do we produce things? Nope. Like that's the only conversation they've had. So it's weird that Vision, who like Eduardo just said, does not joke, would say something like that. What knowledge right. does he have? Yeah, it leads me to believe that yes, he is a communist. Everyone else took it as a joke and just kind of rolled with it. Or they're all right. in on it, and that's why they laughed the way they did. Uh-huh. Right. Precisely. I thought you were a square. Oh, no one's more round than I am. <laughs> yeah, and that's when Herb is like, you're you're a lot funnier than I expected you to be. Have this stick of big red gum. Yeah. Um, something I just real briefly wanted to, to, to bring up, um, and it almost ties in with the comics, but not really, is that this show is, the cast is a lot more diverse than you would have seen in an actual 1960s sitcom. Like they're they're African Americans and yes. you know right. other other ethnicities. Yeah, there's an interracial besides, couple besides white, and uh, no one brings it up as weird. Which I I don't know if that's just hey you know that's 2020 2021 we're going to actually cast, you know, like the world actually looks yeah, uh, or if it's if that's it's kind of a point as well as something it's almost like it's showing you once again that this isn't a regular sitcom something's amiss here because no way she'd have a black friend you know it's like like i don't know right. if, if it's intentional to that 
extent or or not but but it's just something that i noticed that that again sets it apart from the actual sitcoms of the 60s yeah so hydra isn't necessarily fascist because hydra is its own entity especially now right because hydra doesn't necessarily have a leader at this point but they're not necessarily I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not necessarily Nazi, but it's definitely fascist in its own way. Sure, but what's the who's yeah. the leader? If we're talking fascist, like who are they? Well, we don't even know if they're still around at this point. They have been on Agents of Shield for for whatever that's worth. We don't know how much that is to be taken into account, but we do know Hydra still exists because they are an Ant Man as well. Right, but what's even it, after Winter Soldier? I guess we don't necessarily know their goal. Um, but if we knew their goal, we might be able to say, hey, maybe they're a little bit more communist than they were before. Yeah, but that'd be a that'd be a sharp transition from what they were. See, I, I just all, I just bring up the communism as, hey, it was the 60s and it was the. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, all of the yeah, red being referenced could be a communism reference too. Maybe. Possibly. I don't think communism itself is going to have a. a I mean, I, and I could be wrong. No, no, I don't I, think communism. I just took itself, it as a 60s joke. Used as a, this character is more significant than we think they are. Maybe, yeah. Like I think, Possibly. I think Norm is a significant character in this. Like I think there is something about him going on because of. This. I agree. I so agree. Like the thing I said earlier about him and Vision always being in the same room when Vision's by himself, I feel like he's like a keeper or something. Yeah, there's there's something going on there. That might be how he knows more things about Norm is he's around him all the time. To try and fit in, Vision accepts the offering of a stick of Big Red, but the gum finds its way into a 1950s animation of the gears in a system. I also like him chewing the gum where he's like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> this is primarily for mastication. Oh, I, no. I don't do that. <laughs> I also like in the animation how there's a little smiley face on the gum as it's going. <laughs> yes. After the planning meeting, Wanda attempts to get along with Dottie, who seems uninterested. Dottie says she's heard rumors about Wanda and vision. And when Wanda says she means no harm, Dottie says she doesn't believe her. As the statement startles Wanda, the music on a nearby radio starts to cut out as a voice starts to ask Wanda, who's doing this to you? Now, I thought this was confirmed, but apparently it is not confirmed. So does anybody have a guess as to who this is? It sounded like Chris Evans to me at first, but I don't think that's true. Once I heard who everyone thinks it it is, I'm now like sure that's who it is. Yeah, no, me too. Who I didn't look this up. It is uh, who has been in some of the promotional material. Uh, the internet believes it is Randall Park as his character from Ant Man and the Wasp, Jimmy Wu, the the Shield agent. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, that would that can make sense. And so if you listen yeah. back, listen to, to it again, and you're like, oh, that's, that's definitely, definitely Randall Park. He has moved up in the world. Then. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, go back and listen to it. It sounds like Randall Park. Also okay. an actor with sitcom experience, by the way. Yes, fresh off the boat. He was on fresh off the boat. He's uh, also Jim yeah. from um, the, the Office. Office. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, you know, Kat Dennings was also on a sitcom. Yes, yes, she was. We got a lot of sitcom people here. It wasn't a very good one, but she was on. <laughs> 
It was not a very good one, no. <laughs> it's very popular. It's It went on for quite some time. Is it really? I mean, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it had several seasons. I've, it has I've gone never on met a person that liked it. That's astounding to me. Yeah. yeah. It had six seasons. Two Broke Girls had six seasons. That's un... Okay. That's completely not fair. That's completely not fair. Community had to scratch and claw and jump right. between streaming services to get to six seasons. Arrested Development had three seasons. The second two were ended midway through the season. Oh my god, I hate this stuff. You guys leave Kat Dennings alone. You're gonna complain about Chuck Lorre just like you did last week? Leave Kat Dennings alone! Leave Nora alone. <laughs> Her infinite playlist. Uh, Dottie's demeanor changes as she asks, Who is that? Who are you? The radio explodes and Dottie breaks the glass she's holding, cutting her hand and causing blood that is visibly red against her grayscale hand. As Wanda tries to help, Dottie returns to her previous attitude. Another commercial plays, this time for a watch brand called Shrucker with a Hydra logo. And Robbie, you've got some theories about these commercials. Yeah, here we go. I didn't think anything of these commercials until second watch. And it's like, oh, okay, here we go. So my theory... Some extent of this is happening in Wanda's head. I don't know how much, and we'll talk about this more. Um, but these commercials are Wanda's memories. So, and I think we're going to have more commercials. And I think they're going to go through why we're seeing Wanda's memories. I don't know. It may just be for the hell of it, or it has a deeper meaning. I'm guessing it's that one. Um, but so this first ad, we have the Stark Enterprises. And I was trying. So, so the second ad, it hit me quickly. Because, okay, it's called Strucker. So Baron Von Strucker uh, helped create create Wanda and Quicksilver. Um, it says, uh, uh, you know, we'll make time, he'll make time for you. Which I think just leads into the idea that they had a problem and they found Hydra and Baron Von Strucker who actually bothered to try and help them uh, by giving them their powers. Um, granted, he had ulterior motives, but... And so then I'm trying to think, what is the first one? Well, the first one... Because we don't watch uh, Age of Ultron more than we can help, um, more than we have to, I had forgotten, I had completely forgotten, until thinking about it and talking about it with Kat, that their story is sitting there in the rubble, staring at a Stark Enterprises bomb, waiting for, wondering if it's going to explode, which I think is what that toaster is representing. The beeping and that long, awkward pause is Wanda's memory of that Stark Enterprises bomb waiting and wondering if it's going to blow up. Now, I don't know if everything in that commercial is a reference to that, but now I'm wondering, you know, Soundlord brought up, is one of these commercials going to have a bow and arrow? And you know, are we going to have some sort of Ultron reference? Uh, but I think these commercials are for whatever reason going through Wanda's memories just in a, uh, the same way that like a dream does. You know, your dream, you there's things show up from your life in your dream in weird ways. Your house isn't quite like your house. I think somehow that's what's going on here is that Wanda is seeing or someone else is seeing through Wanda television ads that are influenced by parts of Wanda's memories and history uh, in a, in a very creepy way. I'm also wondering if there is, there are infinity stone references going on here. Uh, we have one that is very clearly time. Um, I don't know how the toaster one would be, mind or soul or power or anything like that i'm not sure you can you can cook an apple pie in it so it's got to be the space stone you can yeah that makes sense pie in there Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, so that's where i'm coming at with these commercials i don't know if you guys have more to add on that 
I think with the, and I just kind of made this connection now, the, the two uh, phrases, the catchphrases in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the commercials, the first one we talked about, forget your past, this is your future. Uh, the second one, he'll make time for you. Time is the thing that Wanda did not get with Vision, unfortunately. And now she has all this time with him. Uh, time is also the reason she doesn't have time with Vision because Thanos was able to use the Time Stone to get the uh, to bring him back. Um, yes, and then this theory, which I will credit to Danny, my brother, it's the same man and woman in both commercials, mm-hmm. and he thinks, and I'm inclined to to think this might be the case, is that the man and woman either are or represent her parents. Oh were killed okay. by that stark weapon uh, as as referenced in the first commercial and, and then strucker sort of became her parents or her father figure unfortunately and then and then hawkeye in the future became a positive father figure for her after she lost her brother time also is something that she did not have with her brother since uh he right unfortunately had to sacrifice himself at the end of age of ultron so, so yeah, that's okay. uh, once Danny said that, I kind of can't unsee that as perhaps the what the commercials are going for, but but we shall see. If they don't yeah, put a commercial every episode, I will riot though because they are cool right. little creepy yes. tidbits that go really well between these sitcom beats. Yep, and 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 they're also very evocative of the time period because commercials advertising has changed uh, immensely yep. over the decades. So that's such a part of watching old tv is seeing the commercials that uh, on disney plus yep. i don't know if you said there was a there's a disneyland special like a, a wonderful world of disney special that's the Musketeers at the magic kingdom and it includes the commercial breaks oh, from the awesome. 70s and I, it's almost worth watching just for the commercials uh, i'm pretty sure peaches yeah. knows this because i've done it around him i'm not sure if all of you know it um a significant amount of my time is going to youtube and just watching commercial breaks just spliced together collections of commercial breaks so mm-hmm. um because it's it is it, exactly like peach said it's a nice time capsule um or actually it, i guess it, town lord said that it brings you back to that time period like going to youtube and watching like a commercial for the game crossfire that brings me mm-hmm. back to my childhood crossfire! <laughs> but, but also, the... the commercials that have been on tv for like 30 plus years especially they seasonal do exist that was the first one I thought of. The Cadbury Cream Egg commercial uh, mm-hmm. with all the different animals wearing bunny ears. Um, mm-hmm. The Christmas uh, Hershey Kisses commercial where it's the bells. Mm-hmm. All of those like bring me back to my childhood, even though they still air them today. Uh, so there's even o- almost more than the TV shows themselves. The commercials yep. really bring you back. Uh, I even think of the queue, uh, the old queue at the Great Movie Ride at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, how mm-hmm. it had all the old movie trailers and just yep. seeing how movie trailers were done in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 40s, 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, there is very much a style to them. And, you know, you can't no, do you it. No, you don't, Ethan. <laughs> Ethan, no, you don't. That trailer, the trailer for the for the, uh, the the searchers is basically the whole movie. Like, they give okay. you the plot of the movie almost. <laughs> yeah, but you can't do a proper homage to old television without doing the commercials right. as well and i think it's really neat well, how they're not just doing the commercials just to do them it seems like there is a deeper significance to them and honestly in the prep for this episode like unraveling those commercials and figuring out pieces and i'm sure there's more pieces we haven't gotten in our group chat as we were prepping 
is some of the most fun I've had. Like that was, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward. Really like I, my it. first watch, they're just, oh, whatever. It's just a commercial playing in the sitcom trope and then starting to realize, no, wait, no, that's a bomb. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what these, like, I, like we just said, I hope these commercials kind of continue on because I think they're going to yeah, be I agree. really fun little, uh, little tidbits. At the talent show for the children, for the children, Vision shows up late with the gum making him act inebriated. For the children, <laughs> for the keeps children. being repeated in a creepy, monotone manner by the entire audience anytime it's said. Vision is completely out of control on the magic show and repeatedly uses his powers, terrifying the audience. Wanda covers up for each by using her magic to create plausible reasons the power works. And is that how mirrors think something is? <laughs> That line, that line destroyed me. Is that how Mirror destroyed me? Um, also, something, the very first trick, something I think is going to end up being significant is Agnes is clutching her purse and puts it down in relief when she realizes it's like, when she sees what Wanda did. I am pretty certain that that is going to end up being significant, that Agnes was prepared to have to do something because Vision was giving up the 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 game or whatever. I, I don't yeah. think she was, I think everyone there is kind of like scared. Like, what is this magic? I think Agnes is relieved that Wanda hid the magic, magic mm-hmm. superpowers, but continue now uh, that I've derailed you. By the way, I was vision shows up. I noticed in the background, you see the window of a supermarket and the word Archer is in the window. And, Phrasing. You know, there's an Archer. Yeah. There's an Archer <laughs> who was known as very important to Wanda. Also, this magic show is hilarious. This magic show is hilarious. Oh my god, I laughed just as much watching it the second time today as I did the first time I watched it. Uh, Flourish! The the card trick. Don't say that out loud. (laughs) And and this, by the way, this plot is apparently an homage to a a, a specific Bewitched episode where there is a drunk magician who is trying to do a fundraiser and Samantha, the main character, is using her magic Mm -hmm. Kind of from off stage to yeah, I vaguely remember that episode. Well, the results end up being hilarious and get a massive applause. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was funny, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chris kind of stole my thunder on this a little while ago. Uh, I'm sorry, job, Chris. Paul Bettany is doing such a great job, um, and part of the reason he's it's so amazing is because the character of vision has sort of been i don't want to say the word one note because it it sounds like negative but he's been very like stoic and sort of straight-faced and he we don't get a lot of characterization from vision in the movies and where we have seen him before so it is wonderful that the sort of the reins have been given to paul bettany so that he can you know he can really show off his acting because this guy can act he is very very good and very mm-hmm. convincing i you know the way that robbie was talking about wanda um earlier that's kind of how i felt but about vision during this whole time i was like holy crap like this dude he can act like he is very good at all of these things and they all seem so natural to him even when he is this weird robot looking thing he he's so charming and so natural which is not something we get from vision uh previously and so it's really refreshing to see the to be able to see that, which is another reason why it might not actually be Vision, but who knows? Uh, I mean, at this point, we have no idea. Uh, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But maybe it's not because that's not how Vision really acts. Who knows? 
Maybe that's the division that Wanda envisions. Ah, <laughs> I see what you did there. After the show, Wanda finds the gum inside Vision and removes it. Wanda is horrified they ruin the show and the two try to escape. Dottie stops them and thanks them for putting on the most hilarious act uh, ever seen in the talent show and awards them with a trophy. They get a standing ovation with cries of for the children. For the children. As the two celebrate their trophy at home, they themselves repeat that it was all for the children. For For the the children. children. Which is weird because we have not seen a child yet in this entire show. Uh, That is also true. As they do so, Wanda is suddenly inexplicably pregnant. Before it's like they the Sims. It. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was explicable when those beds became warm. <laughs> yeah. The night before. <laughs> and, now, and now she's uh, at least two months pregnant. <laughs> before they can discuss <laughs> it, they hear another crash outside. When they go to investigate, a man in a beekeeper suit with a sword logo surrounded with bees climbs out of the sewer. They stare at him horrified, and when he looks at them, Wanda angrily says no. And the story rewinds to the discovery of Wanda's pregnancy. What is happening? <laughs> I, will give, I would like to give yeah. you my three theories in descending order of, uh, of likelihood. Mm-hmm. Theory number one, which I think is the most likely, is that it's a sword worker in a hazmat suit who has somehow breached the illusion and in entering this TV show, a uh, hazmat suit would not make sense. Not that a beekeeper suit makes much more sense, but it's translating to something that at least exists in the world of this bewitched TV show. Uh, theory number two, uh, I think less. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Nick, yeah. Oh, not the face. <laughs> 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 no. Uh, eight, so advanced idea mechanics. Uh, last seen in Iron Man three in the MCU, but in the comics, their uniforms are kind of like beekeeper suits to the point where a lot of fans and even in the comics they refer to them as beekeepers. Um, not as likely as the first one. And then number three, uh, the least likely theory of all, but it would be fun. Swarm, the Nazi made of bees. (laughs) (laughs) Who is an actual Marvel character. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the beekeeper suit coming out of the sewer is the most jarring thing to me. If those two things happened happen separately, if it was somebody random coming out of the sewer, I guess it was, but if it was just a, a normal person coming out of the sewer, Wait. or if it was just a beekeeper walking the streets, I would have been like, still weird, but the combination is what's weird to me. <laughs> I can accept beekeepers, but coming out of the sewer, that's where I draw the line. Maybe that's the pregnancy mind, you know? Like, the pregnancy mind is like, I want peanut butter and pickles. Maybe Wanda is seeing beekeeper coming out of a sewer. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, Peaches, you've got a lot of theories about what's happening with Wanda right now, right? Yeah, there's there's so much weirdness here. And to be... Obviously, we've talked about that. To be frank, I, I do like the, like the House of M parallel storyline where like all of this is in her head like i like the idea i don't buy into it fully though i think maybe pieces of this show are happening in her head i think though that and because of all of things that she sees that are familiar maybe that's part of it um like the stark colors uh you know the toaster vision in general um but where we left these characters off in the mcu vision dead wanda fine 
like she's grieving, but she's not injured. She's not, you know, she's not significantly damaged uh, physically. But she's never had an encounter with any sword, anything ever. We've not seen her with sword on the same screen ever. This is the first time we're officially seeing sword unless you just count the little girl from Captain Marvel and you'd have to know in the future that she becomes a part of sword to even make that connection. So this is the first time that we've seen it. So my theory is not that it's all in her head. I think that someone from sword perhaps has captured Wanda. Maybe it's someone from sword. Maybe it's not someone from sword and I don't know if they're good or bad. And Whatever they're doing, they are. I think that they're putting her through some sort of simulation, kind of like in Captain Marvel when um, Talos was like going through um, Captain Marvel's uh, memories to try to extract information. Oh, yeah. It feels very much like they are trying. Whoever has her is trying to go through her memories in a simulated world kind of way instead of a just peeking through her mind. Hey, you know what the big part of sword right now? The scrolls. Well, there you go. Like, maybe that's, maybe they have that technology. Maybe they're like, hey, we can do this thing. Um, So maybe we'll try it. Um, Are the extractors of this information good or bad? I don't know. But Jimmy Woo, who's talking over the radio, the fact that he's even coming through the radio and saying, where are you? Who's doing this to you? Makes it seem like there is a, a, a bad guy at work. And I don't think it's all in her head, be, again, because of the people that we have identified as, again, speculation, but identified as definitely in this situation with her are not illusions, right? We don't think Agnes is an illusion. We think Agnes is real. I personally, we haven't talked about this yet uh, to an extent, I don't think Geraldine is a simulation either. I think she is in this too. And she is very confused because she, when, when she gets introduced to Wanda, she doesn't remember why she's there. She has no idea what's going on either. You can tell she's visibly confused and she doesn't even really know her own name. When Wanda asks what her name is, she goes, I'm a Geraldine. Like, like that's not her real name, but she has been programmed in some way to say that um i maybe this whole like simon williams wonder man thing comes into play i mean you 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 shared in the group chat soundlord that picture or somebody did Mm -hmm. of the interview of one of the directors or the creators or whatever with a wonder man poster in the background and you know that's it's a marvel studio that they that she works at or her home and she's decorated it whatever so okay she likes marvel stuff no big deal but maybe they're trying to recreate vision physically in the real world by using Wanda's memories to draw out who Vision is as a person and put those memories in a human body. Maybe they're going to create Wonder Man using this data that they're extracting from Wanda. Like a reverse I don't know. of the origins in the comics. That'd actually be really interesting. Yeah, maybe that's what they're doing. And 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 it's it's just creepy. Like I said all these other things that the show reminds me of earlier, you know, Black Mirror, Twilight Zone, don't hug me. Um, this also has a very Truman Show vibe yes. to me. This episode yes, it absolutely does. All of the people that aren't the two that I just said feel like they're in on this. You know, like everyone's playing along. Vision does that magic trick where he asks Herb to pick a card and and whatever, and he doesn't get it right until the very end. 
and he still seems really impressed with Vision. At <laughs> the end, you did the trick right. <laughs> no, you did it right. Like, you found my card. No, he did not do it right. He very clearly did not do it right. Why are you playing along with this? It's weird. Dottie telling Bev to shut up about the mirrors thing makes it sound like Bev was questioning the script of the magic show. That's not how mirrors work. And Dottie was like, dude, shut up. You can't say that. Like, that's not our line. And then at the end, Dottie giving them the very first ever comedy award seems very pandering. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if like it's the very first pulled ever, that trophy out of their butt, yes. Yes, it's the very first ever, and it was a magic show. It wasn't meant to be a comedy show. So if it's the very first ever, they had to have just decided in that moment that they're going to give a comedy award away to two people that are trying to sneak away from the scene. It just feels very Truman Show, like the whole town is in on what's going Mm -hmm. on, which plays right into like Herb and Vision always being around. I'm sorry, Norm and Vision always being around each other and all the other weirdness that happens. Um. I, I just, I think it's more of an act than it is in her head. I buy that some parts of it are in her head, though. Maybe she is helping create this illusion. Maybe the way that they have her sedated in the background, she's still using her magic to create the illusion. But the fact of all of that, plus at the end of the first episode, there's a person literally watching the right. show that they've created. Like, mm-hmm. it's not all in her head. Some people are pulling some strings. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah, all in her head. Cool. Internet, it's projected from her. Yes, that's what I that that's really what I think is going on. Maybe, but the people in it, I think, are all real. Maybe including Vision. I don't know how, but like yes, again, I, I think all of those tangible things, things, not an actual dream. Yeah, of all of these off-screen things that happen to Vision, and when I say off-screen, I mean she's not a he's not around Wanda for all of those things to happen to him. It could just be that she is projecting that. Maybe she's just imagining what he would be doing if they weren't near each other at any given time. But you'd think that if the gum situation happened and Wanda created it in her head, she would have been able to be like, dude, there's gum in your system. I'm just going to pull that out real quick. You know, like. Unless it has to play out as a sitcom trope. Um, maybe. Right. For some reason, yeah. like it has to be done. Yeah. Way. Part of what I think is going on is. Wanda is creating this, but Wanda is creating a sitcom life for herself, which means that the the trope happens. For it's her, like in Cabin in the Woods, and where for some it has reason, to be done as a horror movie with the cliches. Yeah, why she's I mean, doing it, it that, I don't sense. know. It makes sense that this is like I do think this might be more parallel to House of M than we think, because if she is, if she does have a lot of magic influence over what's going on, it's possible that she is trying to project the ideal life for herself which mm-hmm. is why it keeps changing because maybe she's deciding the next day that she would rather it be a little a few more years into the future or they'd have a bigger house or whatever it might be right um but i just all of this speculation to at the end of this whole rant just say i just want to know what's next yeah <laughs> and my <laughs> and my guess is wanda another thing we're going to find out is she has some faint memory of how she got in this situation, which is why I'm going to guess that's how she has some exposure to sword and that sort of thing. I think we're going to eventually see how did Wanda get here and that she still has some recollection of how she got here. Yeah. Well, and if you remember in the trailer too, uh, again, another random thing to bring up, but I think 
I think Geraldine is there in the same situation as Wanda, but slightly different. And I think Agnes is there as like a head security officer type role, mm-hmm. like keeping an eye on things because she is also always around Wanda. Like basically at any given moment, Agnes is there to like observe the situation. She knocks on her door right away when they show up at the house. She shows up throughout the dinner three or four times. She shows up to take her over to Dottie and she's there in the meeting. Like she's always around the purse thing that you said earlier. She's definitely ready to like do some magic if she needs to. And you know that she knows a lot more than they've put in the first two episodes because in the trailer, there's that scene where Vision walks up to the car that she's sitting in and she does that weird laugh and goes, aren't you supposed to be dead or whatever it is that she says. Am I dead? Because you are. Yes. Yeah. Whatever that is. So anyway, I'm going to take a moment and breathe now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Taking on the persona, the sitcom cliche of the nosy neighbor as a way to actually keep tabs on Wanda is a really interesting construct. Mm -hmm. What if it goes further? So imagine the the Truman show did. Uh, Wanda is Mm -hmm. grieving vision. You know, she has lost her brother she didn't think she would ever have anything like that again, and she found this, finds this person that she loves, and they are brutally murdered in front of her after she thinks she can save them. Um, after having to kill him herself. Like, kills him, then kill watches him, him die. Him. Yes. <laughs> then he was brought back and killed again in a way that also dooms the universe. Right. She never fully recovers from this and is grief-stricken. She's then approached by a group, let's call them S.W.O.R.D., and they're told, hey, we want to help you bring Vision back, but we need you to do these things. S.W.O.R.D.'s motives in all of this could not be to bring Vision back at all or could be to use this thing of Vision, whatever. So they invite her to some sort of facility and they have this sort of thing happen to her where she creates this world and they use people from their organization to kind of help her. And the... When they ask her who do you what do you think Vision is, she would say probably because she's so grief stricken and she's got this sort of rosy picture of Vision in her head, she'd be like, well, he'd be like a perfect sitcom husband. He would be perfect in every way. He would be funny. He would have all of these different things. He'd always know the right thing to say. We'd have this wonderful life. And he's like, well, use that. And a lot of what Peach has said before really made me think about at the end of the second episode, everything th- turns to, like a different color, almost as if like a percent bar has filled almost as if they've reached a certain threshold as if, Oh, we achieved all of these goals that we needed to in these first two episodes. So we've now leveled up to the next sitcom. We are now a little bit more progressed in this thing that we are building. Bewitched evolved into Brady Bunch. Yeah. Almost Mm -hmm. right. Like, It's like it's like sort of building off of each other, like building up. But potentially the people that are doing this to her don't have her best interests at heart, which is why Randall Park's character, Jimmy Woo, and why Monica Rambeau and why Kat Dennings are trying to help them through this or help Wanda through this. But maybe Wanda is a willing participant in it because she doesn't, she is so enamored with the idea of having vision back that she'll do whatever it takes to bring him back. Even if it leads to her losing her own sanity. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Maybe, yeah, maybe they are, tr- maybe they're not a good guy or a bad yeah. guy, right? Maybe they yeah, have started whatever process it is you just mentioned, and they just go a little bit too far. Yeah. They they breached her level of uh, comfortability with it to do something greater. Maybe I don't know. Wanda is the bad guy. Maybe she Wanda is the one that is doing because that's, that's not kind like of a, been my assumption. Most dangerous person. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily call her the bad sure. guy, but I think, but I can see this organization, sword, whoever it is, not realizing what they've gotten themselves into, yeah. because we have barely scratched the surface of how powerful Wanda is. Even in the MCU, discounting everything we know about her from the comics, she has been shown to be outrageously powerful. Right. Uh, She's probably the only Avenger that could go toe-to-toe with Captain Marvel. hmm So. Hmm. God, it's so interesting. It's yeah. it's just so mysterious. I just so have to mysterious. know. So uh, mysterious. <laughs> as Vision tells her, this is really happening. The world slowly turns to color. The screen fades to black as someone again ask, asks, who's doing this to you, Wanda? And that's where we leave it. I realize this is- that's so also the first time that we have seen Vision in color since he died because he turned gray when his Infinity Stone was ripped yep. out. Mm-hmm. That was the start of the black and white. <laughs> so where do we think this is going next? Robbie, let's start with you. Where do you think this is going next? Uh, a couple of them I'm really touched on. Um, I think that we're going to have on the kind of the service level, I think we're going to have a basically each episode is going to be based on a different sitcom uh with some nods to other sitcoms but we'll go forward and and i think it's kind of gonna be chronological uh and i think the sitcom thing will be phased out a little bit towards maybe by the finale there's no sitcom at all maybe um that's roughly my prediction i'm gonna guess the next episode is the brady bunch which would fit with the 60s um i think that's actually confirmed because the tv reviewers got to see the got first it three okay cool and, um yeah. i was thinking maybe i dream of genie but brady bunch seems like the most likely I'm, I'm really interested to see if they do we've seen shots where it's that 70s show right i i don't know about that 70s okay. show i know i've seen uh family Ties. okay because two shows that i think are interesting if they do touch them is happy days or that 70s show which were shot couple decades after when they take place that'd be interesting um yeah once you got deborah joe up so you might as well right yeah right so we'll see about that um but as far as what's happening uh my prediction is we've got for some reason wanda is melting down probably having something to do with something sword is doing to her kind of like we touched on um and has created this fake universe for herself the darker and as we talk i think i'm a little more confident in my darker prediction is these are not projections. These are people who are uh, enslaved either by Wanda's powers to create this world she wants to live in or are somehow being enslaved by someone else for the purpose of creating Wanda's world. Um, and we'll see. Like, like we talk about the Truman Show, but it's more like the Truman Show where everyone who's on the Truman Show doesn't like being there and doesn't want to be there and doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, so sort of, so almost like an inverse of the Truman Show, where Truman is creating a show rather than the subject of a show surrounded by willing participants. Um, that's kind of what I. Th- yeah, I guess Dottie was also confused. Mm-hmm. She's been all over mm-hmm. the place. She's, she's also driving up the mystery yes. meter, right? Because at one point she's like, "Shut up, Bev!" Like we don't talk about that. And at another point she's like, "I don't trust you." 
what is going on? Where and so my I? thought, and then snap back right. to reality. Oh, and so my prediction with Agnes is not Agnes is working with Sword. Agnes is here almost like a covert actor playing along, either to help facilitate what's going on to get something out of it, or to try and stop it. Um, I'm not sure, but I think Agnes is is not part of the you know potential control that's going on with Wanda. Uh, but I think we have, I, I think we have people that are somehow being enslaved to be a part of this show in the show what about you chris oh i actually one more thing that i actually forgot to bring up earlier that angela pointed oh two things that angela pointed out to me while we were watching again today one in this episode uh there's wallpaper next to the kitchen uh by the stairs and if you look at it there's a building on it and it is the fortress where strucker was keeping them in Sokovia. Oh. Wow. Yeah, so that's one thing. And then at the end, um, if we look at Monica or Geraldine or whatever we're wanting to call her right now, uh, two things. She's wearing a brooch that looks almost like a portal or some kind of swirly thing. And her dress at the magic show has these uh, trapezoids on them. And these are the same shapes that you actually see in the end credits of both episodes that are like coming together to create the house and vision's helmet and all of that. Uh, it's the same pattern on her dress. Uh, so what the significance of that is, I do not know. Uh, but Angela pointed it out to me and my mind exploded. So I thought I would share that as well. Um, as for where this is going, um, I'm going to bring it back to my rant from the beginning of the episode uh, about the comics and the theory that we've kind of tiptoed around that a lot of people have had is that Agnes represents or is the MCU version somehow of Agatha Harkness, the woman who taught Scarlet Witch how to be a witch. Uh, and a couple things that tie into that is when she first, me first meets Wanda, she goes, Wanda, charmed, uh, which obviously a witch reference there. Uh, she's the one who says the devil's in the details and that's not the only place he is uh which could mephisto end up being a part of this uh if they're all doing this for the children for the children is it are they literally doing it for the children are they trying to get wanda and vision to create these children for some reason uh does mephisto have something to do with that uh is it going to be thomas and william the the twins that that she had uh is there some dark purpose to getting these children to exist we do everything for the children. For the children. I don't necessarily think we're going to get Master Pandemonium with baby arms, but, uh, but you know, something like that could happen. And one more thing that ties this into uh, Agatha Harkness uh, is her rabbit is named Senor Scratchy. <laughs> and uh, in the comics, Agatha has a son named Nicholas mm -hmm. Scratch. And Nick Scratch in itself is another name for the devil or Mephisto, the devil in the details yet again. Uh, not saying that we're going to get definitely get Mephisto in this, uh, but I feel like there is a chance that Mephisto could somehow be involved. That we, uh, Especially now that I'm thinking about it, this is supposed to end up leading into the next Doctor mm -hmm. Strange film, of which Wanda is the co-lead, and Mephisto certainly would make sense in a Doctor Strange yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the multiverse of madness, um, there's... Another um, actor who's been rumored to be a part of this show, I don't think I'll name him just yet, um, because if you don't know, I if something happens, I don't want to spoil it. 
um but it could tie into the multiverse in some way or it could just be a fun meta joke um i would like you to tell me after the episode (laughs) i will tell you after the episode i think we might have talked about it before but i'll bring up after the episode um also i'm excited to see how far they go with the sitcom uh scenarios will they get up to the 90s if they get to the 90s will they do full house considering who elizabeth olsen's sisters are mary king nationally so uh, full house was in the trailer wasn't it the full house house oh it might have been and and for those who don't watch the trailers because it might ruin things peaches i get it um but also the trailer but i'm pretty (laughs) sure if i remember the trailer they're in the full house uh living room roughly the full house living room uh and holding twins so okay that would okay there we go that would make sense but yes Um, i do think having an olsen who's not the olsen twins in the olsen household while they're holding twins is several deep cuts that also fit with where we think the story is going uh peaches what do you what what do you think is coming up i don't know if i want to play the like i don't know if i fully want to play the like let me speculate in the future game that much but i will say that I think it does have an, a nice um, a nice percentage of parallel to House of M. Um, I, I do think if the part is true where there is some percentage that she is that Wanda is projecting and living, whatever, um, I think that is a good way for the MCU to integrate House of M without it being super overwhelming for people. I also think it's interesting if the House of M storyline is a part of this because there aren't mutants in the MCU right now. Um, X-Men don't, like, we have them now, but they don't exist yet, which makes me think, is this show going to be a gateway drug for the X-Men in the future? Uh, is Are they somehow going to be introduced in this show and then later we can explore it in a different medium. I don't know. Um, yeah, reminded me of an image I saw going around of saying, what if this is a reverse House of M where in House of M she said no more mutants and decimated the mutant population. And then yeah. her going, no, comma, more mutants. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if the reverse Simon thing is true, like that theory that I had earlier, they can do more reverse theories. I mean, oh, that yeah. is a swell way to bring in mutants to the MCU is she creates them, you know? Um, or maybe just like unlocks their powers, unlocks their potential. Maybe we get a Wolverine cameo in this show at some point. That would be insane. <laughs> Not a Hugh Jackman, whoever they choose to use as the new Wolverine. Zach Efron. <laughs> Danny DeVito, come on. Danny DeVito. It's gotta be some that's it. I don't have I don't have a lot that I want to say. I hope this happens because I I really like being a part of the mystery of this show. I like not knowing. I'm excited to see what the twist is. I hope it is a BioShock level mind blow that makes me want to watch this series over and over and over again until I die. So, Eduardo, what about you? Yeah. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I've given some uh... <laughs> I've given some like potential what I think might be happening, but that's only after doing this show at the end of watching the episodes. I sat there and went, I have no idea what's happening and same that maybe that's the intention is for you not to know. I would assume honestly that that is the intention for you to know very little at the end of these two to kind of play up the whole mystery. 
<clears throat> so to be honest, I have no idea. Maybe it's going to change next week once we watch the next episode. Who knows? But I have no idea. Ratings. Peach, who are you going to rate episodes one and two of WandaVision? Yeah, I, I, rate, I rated uh, episode one, nine beers named June 2nd out of 10. Uh, and I gave episode two, eight and a half night vision visions out you, of 10. You just reminded me something that I forgot to bring up earlier. Uh, the Ag- Salem thing? Yeah, the June 2nd. So Agnes yeah. mentions that her husband wouldn't remember her anniversary unless there was a bill named, Ju- uh, uh, a, a beer named June 2nd. June 2nd, 1692, I want to say, was the first official trial of the Salem Witch Trials. Which she, in the Marvel comic universe, was at. Yes, yes. She was part of the uh, the New Salem Witches. So, so yeah, so that's... Does that mean something? Who knows? <laughs> All right, Robbie, take it from me. Here's the baton. Uh... Episode one, and I will quickly say that on first watch, I liked episode one more on second watch, mostly because of how hilarious that magic show is. I flipped it, but uh, episode one, I'm giving eight Ottoman trip hazards out of ten. And episode two, I'm going to give it nine nose wiggles out of ten. How about you, Chris? Uh, I gave I gave episode one 8.5 vague calendar reminders out of ten. And uh, I gave episode two nine horses' shoes out of ten. I was just playing with his shoes. <laughs> Eduardo, how about you? I gave episode one eight yeah. European wives out of ten. And I also forgot to mention this, but I also really liked when she yells Diane and he's like, yes, that's the <laughs> pet name we give each other. Coming, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then episode two, I gave seven and a half communist norms out of 10. <laughs> We're going to have so much fun with the ratings. <laughs> Our rating I mean, we, I mean, mm-hmm. we got, we were blessed with two episodes. So this episode ended up being yes. very long for us, but, uh, yes. next week it'll yeah. probably end up being a little bit shorter because it's just going to be one episode, but it's going to be every single week so if you were sitting there clamoring for some more assembly required goodness then boy do i have some good news for you because we are coming at your ear holes every single week y'all ready for us all right well that's gonna do it for us over here on assembly required if you want to email the show email us uh, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter at assemblycast you can follow all of us individually gatorsax2010 for chris philkid3 for robbie d underscore peaches for peaches and abcd eduardo1 for eduardo the one uh, that's gonna do it for myself for robbie for peaches for chris we love you 3000 bye everybody excelsior Boobly boobly. For the children. For the children.
I spoke in the car about the hole at the center of this donut. And what you and Harland did that fateful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in a donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see the donut hole has a hole in its center. It is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not a hole at all. 